0: One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm
1: Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandy Pond. Let's, Let's go, go to court. court. On this episode, I'll be talking about the unicorn. A specific unicorn? No, the unicorn. And I'll be talking about the murder of Linnell Barsall. A
0: specific Linnell? Yes, it is a specific Linnell. Kristen, it shamed me for my title. Well, yeah, I, I couldn't just I couldn't figure out like a little description to do for this episode. And so I just said I was going to talk about a murder. And Kristen's like, oh, our first episode back, you're already phoning it in. I don't want to give anything away about this case. It's too good.
1: OK, but writing just like a few words about it doesn't give you do it anything I couldn't away. do it. Everyone, she was literally going to say, and I'll be talking about a murder. Yeah. I've
0: said that before.
1: Yeah, exactly. A million (laughs) times. Here we are back from break. (sighs) Supposedly refreshed. I am refreshed. Supposedly ready Ready
0: to go. Tighter than ever. That's not true. I got a pap this morning. They cranked me wide open. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I was just about to ask, and I know the listeners were too. They were like, they're back from break, but how's Brandy's vagina doing? I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah. It's called a cliffhanger. That's called being the best in the biz. Because next thing you know, y'all are gonna be sucked into this podcast. You're like, I gotta find out how that pap turned out. They did some scraping in there. They shared What'd they get? Who knows? Find out next time on Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> Did, you, did I tell you that I'm going to go get a mammogram? You are? I'm terrified. You're putting your big girl pants on? You're going to go to a mammogram? Well, I've not scheduled anything. Okay. But I have gone to the I website. I like that you're saying
0: it out loud. So I now, know. like, we're all
1: going to check in with you. But you know what I saw online? Is that how they do it? They're talking about, like, 3D mammograms? Yeah. What the f- They're going to squish that titty I know. Up in there. I know. So- wh- Well, probably both titties, not just one. I would- I would prefer a BOGO deal for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to come back again. I mean, how hard are they going to clamp them I don't down? No, I've never had one. Are they going look did, like tube socks? I did socks get at a breast ar-
0: exam this morning as well. Oh,
1: that's nothing. No, that's no, that was practically nothing
0: enjoyable. I feel like my doctor was more uncomfortable with it. Than-
1: there something weird about your tits? Is that I what? don't
0: think so. But she was like, okay, now put your arm up. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm just, okay, great. And great. And I'm going to just move to the other one. Okay, wonderful. And we're all set. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, you're saying too much. Was it, Was she doing the
1: paddle yeah. motion? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we discussed
1: this. Yeah.
0: I love talking about my yearly visit to the gynecologist. It had been two years since I had been... So last year I got lucky and they just refilled my birth control without me having to go in. Great. I did not get that lucky
1: this year. Okay. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we are. Anything else you want to talk about? (laughs) Yeah. Weirdly, I didn't ask about any of this. And yet I have been informed twice, actually, because when you came to the house, you told me all this, too. Okay. Here's the real
0: story. I was very – I don't like going to the doctor. Yeah. I was very anxious about it because I have an expectation of what will happen when I go to the doctor. Yeah. That they won't be very nice to me and that any complaint I have, they will tell me that I need to lose weight. Yeah. And that did not happen today. They were amazing to me. They listened to my concerns. They changed my prescription. And they mentioned my weight zero times. And it was a wonderful experience. And it's really sad that the bar is that low. Did they weigh you? They did weigh me. Yeah. Okay. But but they didn't. Yeah. All right. No comments about it. Like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. And that was a wonderful experience.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had such a blast. A blast getting so- a pap. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited to be back. I'm so with excited you. to be back. We recorded the bonus episode for January yeah. uh, like two weeks two ago. weeks ago, yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Had a great time. This episode won't be as good, and that's why you should sign, sign up, up for our Patreon, for our Patreon. To, to that
0: episode. Uh, yeah, I talked about the Corpse Bride. Yeah, I was disgusted. She
1: talked about the Corpse Bride. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I brought the goods, yeah. so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yours are just real lighthearted. As always. Yeah. <laughs> listen, no one was... Uh, all, all right, oh, right. All right.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> you, 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 oh, no. Okay. I was going to say, uh, I was gonna, do you want me to start? But we have to no, do an ad. No, we need to first. do an ad.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that our sound going into an ad? Well, because you see, we've added in ad breaks into old episodes, and uh-huh. there's really kind of rocky transitions. So that's me trying to ease the transition for people. <laughs> I don't think that's doing it. People are at ease. People oh, are so quick. So. They're like, I thought she was gonna ask me about my weight instead she did the <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, please stop interrupting. <laughs>
0: LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash
1: spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back from the ad. <laughs> we See, am I easing the is transition? Is are doing it ever now? I want to <laughs> ease them in. You're not going to make the noise? <laughs> Welcome back.
0: All right, Can I start now? I don't I'm know. Can you? i very to tell
1: you this story. Uh-huh. Oh, That's no. a grammar lesson Thank because goodness. she's so stupid. <laughs> Everyone, I'm feeling um, a little hurt, a little sensitive. Oh, uh, why is that? Because on the Facebook fan group... Someone posted a poll that was like, whose storytelling do you like better? That's not what they said. Brandy, who do you like better as a person? That's also not what they said. clearly sucks or Kristen, who's clearly awesome. They said,
0: what types of cases Mm -hmm. do you like better?
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Brandy's winning. (laughs) By a fucking landslide.
0: Calm down. Everybody loves you, Kristen. Most of all, me.
1: (laughs) And not just as a friend. (laughs) (laughs) What if that's the way you told me <laughs> on the podcast? That would really soften the blow for me losing this poll, and be like, "Well, she's been pining for, me for this years. God, so desperate. Fine, you can kiss me." <laughs> this is how rumors get started. I'm fine with it. Absolutely, I think it'd be a great rumor. Yeah, where. Secret lovers. <laughs> All right, go ahead and tell me your story about a murder. Please don't give anything away. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't even tell the story. I'm going to tell the story. All right, shout out to
0: Schnurpinflur. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Schnurpin <Fur. laughs> what? That's a
1: person in our Discord <laughs> who recommended this game. Yes. <laughs> Thank you Schnurpen. Thank you Schnippin Flurp. <laughs> I watched I feel like I'm going to lose all my teeth. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry what? You ever just feel a little sensitive yes. in your teeth and you think yeah. half this these is when puppies they just are fall gone out. Yeah. All right, I'm going to try to soldier through. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I feel a little loose in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, do you ever feel like a plastic bag floating through the wind? Okay. <laughs> Baby, you're a firework. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm trying to tell you about my problems. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what did Schnurpin and Flurr say? Schnerp and Flurr said you
0: should do this case. Um, okay, so I watched an episode of Dateline: The Last Day. Are you familiar with this new program? No, it's new. Pfft. It's a new iteration of Dateline, oh, well, uh, how many exclusive exactly exclusive okay. to Peacock, which just meant I had to pay five dollars to watch it. Other than that, it's just like regular. You made Dateline. the podcast
1: pay, right? No, I just paid for it. It's what,
0: fine. Brady? Not, I just signed up for it. Now I get to watch Peacock for five dollars.
1: Well, no, I just signed the. Uh, it, I realize this, this is, is not a business converse. conversation. <laughs> Everybody doesn't need to know about it, but. You know, I've, I signed us up for Discovery Plus, and if you think I'm not watching some 90 Day Fiance <laughs> on the podcast dime, then you're wrong. All right. Perfect.
0: <laughs> um, also, so I watched an episode of Dateline The Last Day, uh-huh. which, as far as I could tell, is just regular Dateline, but it's exclusive to Peacock. So, okay. um, This was a Josh Mankiewicz episode. Mm-hmm. And I would like to go on the record and say that at the beginning of this podcast, I talked a lot of shit on Josh Mankiewicz, Mm -hmm. and I have revised my opinion on him, and I feel like I was a real asshole to him, and I would like to issue an official apology to Josh Mankiewicz, who I am sure is a huge fan
1: of this program. (laughs) Well, Josh, you can dry your tears. Brandy's nah. decided I mean, to stop being of an asshole. I a fucking asshole?
0: I made fun of his hair and his, and his crooked tie. And he worked really hard on every episode, I'm sure. And I feel really bad about that. So I'm very sorry. I was horrified wits. by what you said. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> anyway, so I watched that. I um, There's also an article for True Crime Daily that a lot of this comes from and some articles for the LA Times. Ooh. You ready? Yeah. Lorraine Austin was frantic. It was the evening of June 16th, 2010, when she burst into the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Station in Palmdale, California, begging for help. She had blood all over her as she relayed a horrifying tale to the deputies at the station. Lorraine, which I will tell you, I did not think was pronounced that way, but that's how they pronounce it on um, the Dateline episode. It is spelled L-A-R-E-N-E. Say that again. L-A-R-E-N-E. Lorraine? They pronounce it Lorraine, so. Okay. Okay, okay. Lorraine told detectives that she had been at her best friend, Linnell Barsock's house, earlier that day. She'd been installing
1: some new weave in her hair, but Linnell and her boyfriend. Everyone, Brandy, just mimed installing weaves. That's right. You're missing so much by not being able to see this, this is story. Me. In, I'm, I've got one hand, uh-huh. you know, on the head. Mm-hmm.
0: The other is, you got the curved needle. Have you ever done a weave before? Um, just only in cosmetology school. Okay. Yeah. Not since then, so many moons ago. Yes,
1: because you're so old.
0: <laughs> I went to cosmetology school seventeen years ago. Good so. God! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so Lorraine had been at Linnell's house installing some new weave in her hair, but Linnell and her boyfriend had gotten into this fight, and it got very uncomfortable. So Lorraine had left to give them some space to work out that stuff. That's so awkward. To work out their stuff, I meant, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all feeling awkward. We didn't even catch that. Thank you. Um, And so Lorraine had left for a few hours and then had come back later in the evening. Like five hours or so had gone by. Mm -hmm. And she came back to finish Linnell's weave. Lorraine told detectives that she had entered through Linnell's open garage door and had gone to walk into the house from there. But she had slipped on something in the garage and fallen to the floor. Seconds later, she realized that she had slipped in a pool of blood.
1: Oh my God. And
0: had landed next to a body. Oh my God. Linnell's body. She was sure of it because she recognized her pedicure. Linnell's lifeless body was laying in a pool of blood on the garage floor. A plastic bag was covering her face. Oh. Lorraine said that she gathered herself and got herself back onto her feet, and as she did so, and as she did so, she heard footsteps inside the house. It sounded like someone was walking around upstairs, and then it sounded like that someone was walking toward the staircase, So she kind of glanced inside the house. I'm assuming like the door from the garage to the house was open. She glanced toward the staircase. She reached for her phone, but she couldn't find it. And she looked up and she made eye contact with someone as they came into view as they descended the
1: staircase.
0: And she recognized the person.
1: Well, yeah, it was the boyfriend. It was
0: Linnell's live-in boyfriend. Wow. Just spoiling it, Kristen. Well, it doesn't take a genius. <laughs> His name was Louis Bonaire. Oh. Bonheur. Bonheur. Okay. <laughs> Excuse um, you. French? He's Haitian, so oh, yes, okay. it's French.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lorraine said she saw him coming down the stairs toward her, so she ran. Yeah. She ran out of the garage. She ran to her car, and she drove straight to the sheriff's department. She was certain that Lewis had actually gotten into his truck and Ah! followed her most of the way, but she said she'd lost him just before she made it to the police station. Deputies were stunned by what they heard and they rushed to Linnell Barsock's home, located (gasps) at. Okay, okay, hang on, hang on. Uh, Okay.
1: 37419
0: Rocky Lane, Palmdale, California. What are we doing with Palmdale? Is that one word? It's too? all one word, yes. Okay. And Rocky is I-E, not Y. Well, that's cute. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it's a big home. This is huge. Yeah, so it looks to me, I looked at the sale records a little bit. Gosh, it looks that like, backyard
1: is pitiful. Yeah,
0: so it looks like this was a house that kind of suffered from the bubble bursting in 2008. <gasps> oh, so it- she got it for pretty Pretty cheap in two thousand nine. At this time, she'd lived there about a year. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, thirty six hundred square foot home.
1: And to be clear, the backyard it's it's huge and everything. It's huge. It's just, it's like just, like just all dirt. Yeah, it's yeah. just
0: dirt. Yeah.
1: All right. The place has no personality, but that it is
0: very builder grade. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry, I was looking at the house. I forgot I have to tell you the rest of the
1: story. <laughs> you did kind of look at me like, and you're looking at me
0: because? <laughs> when the police arrived at the home, they were met with a horrible scene, just as Lorraine had described. There was blood everywhere. They said that on the Dateline episode. Mm-hmm. Josh Mankiewicz said it exactly like that, which is maybe I'm thinking now why I've decided I like him. Hmm. All right. Interesting.
1: That's not why. Why? It's because, like, when we first started the podcast, we never, ever thought of people listening to it. Yeah. And so, like, you just say stuff. Yeah. Like, you're just talking to your buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, you think of somebody actually listening to us, like, saying, oh, he looks like he just got off a bender yeah. and sat down to no, do his job right. and yes. yeah, it feels shitty. Yeah, it does. It feels I really shitty. I relate it to yeah. Uh, am yeah. <laughs> yes. With you.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'd like to reiterate that I apologize for ever saying that about Josh Mankiewicz.
1: No, everybody knows you're apologizing. Okay, okay, great. Thank you. Um, But is she? I am. How I dare I'm you? teasing. Just
0: as Lorraine had told them, Linnell's body lay on the garage floor. It was surrounded by blood and her face was covered with a black plastic trash bag this was a sign to the detectives that Linnell had been killed by someone that she knew that's not a surprise lorraine had already told them that detectives also discovered in the back of what Linnell's car that was in the garage the trunk was open and there was like bloody bedding back there and like a what? pillow that had a, a gunshot hole through it. It was clear that someone had attempted to bring Linnell out of the house and load her into the back of this car for disposal purposes and have been unsuccessful at that. They'd been perhaps interrupted in the middle of that. Um, Yeah. Initially, police believed Linnell had suffered blunt force trauma to the back of the head. Inside the house, it was clear that someone had attempted to clean up a crime scene. Luminol in the living room showed blood and drag marks from the living room to the garage. It was clear that Lanelle had been killed inside the house. And then perhaps in an attempt to get rid of her body, as I just said, they had pulled her out to the garage and started to load her in the car. But it seemed that they'd been interrupted, likely by Lorraine coming into the house.
1: But what way did Lorraine come into the house again? She came in
0: through the garage. But she
1: saw the body right away. So like she
0: didn't it... see the body right away. The the garage was like the, I, what I what my understanding is that the garage door was open, but it was starting to get dark outside mm-hmm. and there was like no light on in the garage or anything. So she walks into the garage knowing she's going to enter the house through that way. She slips on something. It's a puddle of blood.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Um, So initially they believed, like I said, that Linnell had suffered blunt force trauma to the back of the head. A later autopsy would determine she'd actually been shot in the back of the head. And they also located that pillow in the trunk of the car that had a gunshot through it. So Mm -hmm. homemade silencer type situation. Thankfully, Lorraine had seen someone at the scene. Louis Bonaire, and Lorraine was very familiar with how volatile Lanelle and Louis's relationship could be. And so she'd filled the police in Can on anyone this. else back that up? On the relationship? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get into it okay, right now. Okay, okay. Yes. So Lanelle and Louis had met at school. So Lanelle was a licensed vocational nurse, but she was going back to school to become a registered nurse. Right. And she met... Lewis when he was also taking classes at the same school. He was taking English at he was taking English as a second language classes. Maybe you should take those Thank classes.
1: Thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> because as I mentioned earlier, he had immigrated from Haiti. Right. Linnell was, like, super outgoing and very kind and generous, and she, you know, had kind of talked to Lewis a couple times at school, and then she saw him, like, waiting for a bus one night, and she offered him a ride home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they um, hit it off, and they started dating, and – um According to Lewis's friends, their relationship became serious pretty quickly. They were very much in love. They moved in together into this big house that Linnell had purchased, and things were pretty good from the outside. Okay. But then they started talking to some other friends, friends of Linnell's, and they talked to Lorraine, and it seemed like Lewis had a really bad jealous streak. He was constantly accusing Linnell of cheating on him. Um, He would, like, show up at her work just to see if she was actually there. Oh, God. Yeah, he would steal her phone and, like, text people from her phone pretending to be her to see what their response would be to stuff. Yeah, it was bad. Lorraine said that there was kind of this dark side to Louis that not a lot of people knew. And it was this jealous streak. And... Other people back that up as well. Linnell's mother said there was an incident where she got a call, and this was just maybe a week or so prior to Linnell's death. She got a call from Linnell, and Linnell was crying, and she said that Lewis had tried to run her off the road in her car. Was really bad. There was another situation where, okay, Linnell had this friend. His name was Ike. And
2: they mm-hmm. were
0: kind of like talking. She was carrying on some form of relationship with him. It gotcha. may have been romantic. Hard to know because we don't have Linnell to tell us, but it seems like it may have been romantic in nature. Um, and he, this guy Ike, had given her an, another cell phone. I don't want to respond to that. Nobody is talking to you, Siri. Oh my gosh. So. He had given Linnell like a secret cell phone to communicate with uh-huh. him on, and at some point, he had been on the phone with Linnell, and he had heard, Lew- he had heard Lewis in the background yelling at her, and like a fight had started, and he got really concerned about it, and so he actually independently called the police and asked them to respond to Linnell's address. The police showed up, and at that point, nothing had been physical, so nobody was arrested, no Mm -hmm. charges were ever filed. But there was a record of the police coming out to that house about a month before Linnell's death for a domestic disturbance.
1: Yeah.
0: The very day that Linnell died, there had been, as Lorraine had already told the police, there had been a couple of arguments. That morning, Lorraine had come to Linnell's house. So Lorraine and Linnell had been friends for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's what Lorraine told the police, that they'd gone to high school together in L.A. They'd been best friends for like 10 years. So on this particular day, on June sixteenth, two 2010, Lorraine had come to Linnell's house with the plan that they were going to go to the beauty supply store, get some hair, they were going to come back, Lorraine was going to install the weave in Linnell's hair. So she comes over and there's like a fight that's going on right when she gets there that morning. Apparently, Lewis had found that secret cell phone Mm. and Linnell was trying to defuse the situation. She kind of, you know, got it under control. And she was like, "Okay, let's go to the beauty supply store. Let's get the hair. And so they leave. Well, as they get to the beauty supply store, they look out and they see that Lewis has followed them. To the beauty supply store. Oh, God. And he comes in the store and he's confronting Lanell about the cell phone in public. Yeah. And so now Lanell is embarrassed and she's pissed and she is yelling at him and there's this fight that's happening in public. And he, like, something happens. He reaches out to try and get this cell phone from Lanell and she reaches back. She ends up scratching him mm-hmm. across the face. The situation ends Lewis leaves. He goes about his day doing whatever. They go back to the house. They start doing the weave. Lewis shows back up. The fight starts again. At that point, Lorraine decides she's going to leave, let this situation diffuse, let them be alone for a little while. And later that afternoon, about five hours later, she comes back. She told the police that when she left the house, she just like went and hung out at a park nearby for a few hours, waiting for Linnell to call her and let her know that like It was cool for her to come back. Mm -hmm. And when the hours passed and that didn't happen, she decided she better go back and check on her friend. And when she did, she came back to that horrifying scene. So, the detectives know that they need to track down Louis Bonaire. And they're like, okay, let's find this guy. Like, where is he? He wasn't at the house. And Lorraine had told them that he'd followed her to the police station, but that she'd lost him, like, right before she got there. So, they track him down, and he's actually in Los Angeles, which is like 60 miles away. He is actually at Linnell's mother's house. So, they track him down and they take him. and ask him to come with them. And they bring him back to the Palmdale Sheriff's Department. And they sit him down to ask him some questions. And they're like, you know, what have you been doing today? And he's like, oh, I was, um, I was actually with Lorraine's boyfriend. We've been um, working on my car, my truck. We went to a couple different auto parts stores, got some different parts. And we've been working on my truck. And then I just decided, and since I was already in L.A., that I would just stay at Linnell's mom's house tonight because it's closer to my work for tomorrow. It's a shorter commute. And so they're like, okay, all right. And they're like, you have – do you have like –
1: That's really interesting.
0: What's interesting?
1: Well, that her boyfriend is his alibi.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, do you, do you have receipts for anything that you bought today? And he's like, yeah, I do. I have receipts for everything. And they're like, Okay, all right. And they're like, You have a you have a scratch on your face there. How'd you how'd you get that scratch? And so he admits to them that he had gotten into an argument with Linnell that morning at the beauty supply store and that she'd, you know, kind of a scuffle had ensued and she'd reached out and she'd scratched him across the face. And they're like, Okay, well so that's kinda of matching up with the story we already know and they're like right. you know, how um How's your relationship with Linnell? And he's like, it's, it's good. It's good. You know, he, he said that it was very loving, that they both loved each other very much, and they had a committed relationship. And they're like, okay. And they're like, that's interesting. So at that point, they confronted him with a letter that they had found at the home that he shared with Linnell. It was a, a essentially a breakup letter. That Linnell had written him saying, I've been sleeping with someone else for four months. I'm leaving you for him. He makes more money than you do. Don't try and contact me. I'm gone. Really? Mm-hmm. And so they show it to him and he's like, I've I've never seen this in my life. And they're like, Linnell didn't give this to you today or this didn't lead this isn't what led to the arguments today and he's like no I've I've never seen this before and they're like okay interesting they're like where's Linnell right now and he goes I I don't know where is Linnell is she okay and they're like no she's not okay and he's like what do you what do you mean And they're like, someone shot Linnell today. And he starts freaking out. He's like, what do you mean someone shot Linnell? Who would do that? And they're like, you tell us. And he's like, is she okay? And they tell him that no, that Linnell has died. And he breaks down. He immediately begins sobbing. Hmm. And he's like, who would do this to her? Who would do this to her? And then he puts together that that is the reason he is in this interrogation room that day because they oh. believe that he did this to her, and he goes, "Yeah, no, 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 this is not me. This is not me. I would not do this." And he's just like, he's, "Oh my god!" So, it is heartbreaking to listen to. I yeah. listened to the audio of this. Yeah, and he's just sobbing, saying, "No, no, no, this isn't me. This isn't me. Who would do this to her? Why would someone do this to her?" Oh, and so. He's like, that's not right. This isn't right. Why did they do this to her? And so he's like, you you have to find who did this to her. And they're like. We found him. We're looking at who did this to her. Oh, gosh. And they placed him under arrest for Linnell's murder. (gasps) So they got a search warrant. They took his car and they searched it. And in his car, in his truck, they found all of the auto parts that he said he'd been in L.A. buying that day along with multiple receipts. He'd been at, you know, three or four different auto shops throughout the day buying different parts for his truck. And they're like, all right, well, that does match his story. But just because he has a receipt doesn't mean he was the one there buying them. And so they decide to go to but he L.A. he was
1: with someone else too, right? right?
0: And so that person backs up his story and says, yeah, I was with him in L.A. But, again, that's just somebody's word. And so they decide to go – and search um, the surveillance cameras at each of these stores to see if they can right. find him on camera buying these things. And so they go to these three or four different auto part stores in L.A., which is uh, more than an hour away right. from Palmdale. right? 60 miles. They said on a good day with no traffic, it would take you an hour and a half to drive it. Mm-hmm. But there's never no traffic. There's so. never no traffic. Yes. And so... They go to these different auto parts stores, they get him to pull the surveillance video, and he is on every single one Mm -hmm. buying these auto parts throughout the afternoon. Oh, my gosh. There's no way he was at their home in Palmdale at the time of Linnell's murder. Right. And so they have him in custody, and they're like, okay, how did he do this?
1: How did he manage
0: this? They're sure they have the right guy. And so now they have to figure out how he managed it. Well, they probably don't
1: if they've got him on tape at all these other places all across town.
0: Yeah. So they decide they need to pull his cell phone records because, you know, cell phones go ping, cell towers go pong. We know your location all the day long. I've heard it before. Mm -hmm. So they pull his cell phone records, which takes three weeks. So he sits in custody for three weeks while they are waiting for these cell phone records to come in. And when they come in... They match his story exactly. He was nowhere near Palmdale. He was in L.A. It was physically impossible for him to have been the one at the house who murdered Linnell that day.
1: Just to be clear, mm-hmm. they had video of him. That's correct. In addition to receipts and another person's word, that is correct, saying that he was not in the vicinity. Mm-hmm. Of where Mm -hmm. she was murdered. Yep. And yet they kept him in jail for three weeks. They kept him in jail
0: for a month because once they got the records, they then spent a week going over them and making sure that they matched his story perfectly.
1: That is utter bullshit. It is
0: such bullshit. And I have to tell you that there's this infuriating scene In this episode of Dateline, okay, so they realize that his story—he's telling 100% the truth. His alibi is ironclad. There's not a chance in hell. Well, yeah, it doesn't get better than that. No, and so they go to the county jail and they (sighs) let him know that his alibi has checked out and that he is free to go. And so there's these two lead detectives on this case that are being interviewed on this Dateline episode, and one of them's like, you know. You know, I, I really expected when we let this guy go that, you know, we're maybe looking at a lawsuit for yes. keeping him in custody for so long and You should be. Instead, he gave us a big hug and thanks thanked us for for letting him go. He was so appreciative. Okay.
1: <sighs> That's because he was scared exactly. exactly, that he was going to be put away for the rest of his life for mm-hmm. something he didn't do. And, oh, by the way, his girlfriend was just murdered. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But, no, you absolutely should be sued for that. Yeah. yeah. And, gee, I wonder if that would have happened to a white guy. No, sure. Sure. <laughs> Wait, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So now they're like...
1: This is how they phrased it on the show. Oh, good. Let's hear it.
0: You know, the lights start to go on that we're headed in the wrong direction. Started to go on. Yeah. You think? You spent a month looking into this guy's alibi and every single part of it
1: checked out. It took you a month? So... Lorraine, if she's smart, has lickety split it out of there or something. Well, it's interesting that you should say that, Kristen. Well, they gave her plenty of time. So at this point
0: they're back to square fucking one and they're looking well, over the case I'm sorry, and they're like whose fault is that? Okay. Yeah. And they're like, you know, it's interesting. Most of the stuff that we know about this case came from Lorraine. Who was covered in blood. Maybe we need to look into Lorraine. And so they go back and they're like, you know, there was kind of this weird thing that happened when Lorraine was at the police station making a statement one day at the early stage of this investigation. So it's like not the day that she came in asking for help. It's a few days later when she's come in to make a statement. Well, Linnell's mother was also there at the police station that Mm -hmm. day. And they like passed each other in the hall and Lorraine said hello to Linnell's mother and then left. And Linnell's mother asked the police detectives, she said, who was that woman? Oh. And they said, that's your daughter's best friend. She says they've been best friends for 10 for years. 10 years, yeah. And she said, I've never seen that woman in my life. Oh, my God. What the fuck is her deal? And so they're like, what? Wait. <laughs> That interaction That interaction happened, happened a, a month ago, essentially, by the time that they're like, huh, that was weird, huh? Yeah, maybe we should look into Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Also. I hate this story. Thanks for telling me. You're it. welcome. Also, when they go, when they're now going over Lorraine's tail with a fine
1: tooth comb they're like (laughs) I think you mean wide tooth comb
0: (laughs) they're like did she say she went to the park for four hours while she waited for the for the fight to Mm -hmm. cool down at the house and they look back at the weather she loves the swings turns out it was 95 degrees that day Yeah. yeah so she just went out and sat at the park and she said she just watched kids play <laughs> for 4 hours? <laughs> While well, it's 95 degrees out? Nothing I love better on a sweltering day than just sitting at
1: the park and watching some other kids play, some other person's kids play. Yeah, I mean, you've never done it for 4 hours though cuz the police always show <laughs> <That's> up, right? <laughs> yeah, so they're like, "Oh shit. Yeah, that's that's interesting."
0: That does sound kind of sketchy now that we think about it. Yeah. There was also like this little tidbit about like when Lorraine had come into the police department that day. They'd just like they'd taken pictures of her with the blood on her. And they yeah. asked her, you know, if they could look in her purse and whatever. And they found two bullets in her purse. What? Um, And she kind of hemmed and hawed and didn't really have a great explanation for how she had them. And so they had taken them as potential evidence. Yeah. Um, and then when they compared those oh bullets God. to the bullet that had been found in Linnell, um, they had the exact same marking on them from when they are, like, released from the gun, mm-hmm. which meant that the two live rounds that they found had been in the exact same gun that had fired the shot that had killed Linnell. Okay. So at some point they had asked Lorraine if she would come in and do a polygraph test when they. So this was over the course of this month when they're looking into Lewis's alibi and things are looking like, you know, Lewis might not be their guy. They're like, we better make sure that Lorraine over here is telling the truth. So they ask her if she'll come in for a polygraph and she's like, absolutely, no problem. But then she starts giving them the runaround. Uh time's not going to work. I have to, you know, I've got to, you know, I have stuff going on that day. Let's reschedule it, whatever. Then Lorraine just disappears. Well,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course she did.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, after Lorraine disappeared, they did get like a warrant to search, I don't know, her cell phone records or her computer or something. I'm not real clear. But they get some some search History Mm -hmm. from some kind of internet browser that she had been accessing and she had been searching ways to beat a polygraph test. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. But again, Lorraine is nowhere to be found. By now they have processed the physical evidence that was found at the scene. There was a bloody footprint that showed up like in luminol on the living room carpet. Mm -hmm. Perfect match to the size of Lorraine's foot. Also, there had been these latex gloves. That they'd done a DNA test mm-hmm. on the inside of mm-hmm. matched Lorraine's DNA. Also, there was like a plastic jug that had been used, and it had a f- fingerprint on it, and it was—I just—I can't, can't even tell. guess it's Lorraine's. Kristen. Oh, it's what? Lorraine's fingerprint.
1: My goodness, mm-hmm. this is so
0: shocking. So yeah, so once they get access to, um, I believe it is Lorraine's phone records. It could also be they also had Linnell's phone records. They right. discover that the women had actually only known each other about four weeks.
1: Yeah. Not okay. Ten years.
0: All right. So they had met each other on Craigslist, in the women seeking women section. Okay. So initially, they had had um, some kind of sexual relationship mm-hmm. that had gone on for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and then Linnell had texted Lorraine and said. You know, things are getting pretty serious with my boyfriend. I really want to focus on that. I'm sorry. I no longer want to have any kind of sexual relationship with you. But I have actually really enjoyed your friendship. So I would love to continue being friends if you are open to that. Yeah. And Lorraine had responded, absolutely. I feel exactly the same. Let's just be friends. Mm -hmm. And so they had continued their friendship. And that text message came about a week before Linnell was murdered. Mm. So at this point, police believe that Lorraine had come to Linell's house that day. Had started doing her hair. They believe the argument at the beauty supply store actually did happen because yeah, Lewis, no, it, Lewis he admitted yeah, it. Admitted he's to got that. the scrape but on him. The fight in the afternoon never happened. Mm-hmm.
1: Lewis never came back to the house. Um, Are they sure though? Yeah. I mean, do they have receipts? <laughs> right, and, and another guy who was with him, and also video. Yeah, and, and his does cell his, phone, phone yeah, his cell phone back it It all matches. It all matches. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Not quite sure. Well, hmm. yeah. So they
0: believe. That um, Lorraine had sat Linnell down, had you know started doing her hair, and then while she was behind her, she grabbed the pillow. Yeah, but why? Ouch! That's the thing is that no one really knows why. There is not a great motive in this case. It seems that perhaps there was this. The per- well, I'll get into it when we get to trial, but there's like okay. some, some kind of a financial motive here, but it's not great. So, right,
1: because, I mean, what's she going to get out of it? Yeah,
0: exa- nothing. She has nothing to gain from it. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So they know that Lorraine is their person, mm-hmm. but they can't find Lorraine. And so this story is featured on America's Most Wanted um, in 2011, and a year goes by. Yeah. And then finally they get a tip from someone in Belize who thinks oh, they wow. saw Lorraine. And so police go to Belize and on January 25th, 2012, more than a year after she'd fled Palmdale, they arrest Lorraine in Belize. And she was extradited back to California. And in September of 2012, she entered a not guilty plea when she was charged with the murder. Of Linnell Barsak. Okay. Yep. So this thing had multiple delays, but finally her trial began in July of 2015. At trial, the prosecution laid out their theory for the jury. They said Lorraine thought that she had won the lottery when she met Linnell. Linnell was generous and hardworking. She had this nice home, mm-hmm. and Lorraine really thought that she would benefit from this relationship as it initially started. She thought she'd get to move in with Linnell. I'm sure that was something that was talked about pretty early, like, oh, yeah, I got this big house, you can move in and whatever. Um, At this time, Lorraine was unemployed and in a ton of debt. And so Mm -hmm. that's the prosecution's theory that this is like, she has this idea that like this perfect life's going to come together once she meets Linnell. Because Linnell... Everybody who knew Linnell talked about how generous she was. Multiple people talked about it on this Dateline episode. One guy that she was friends with that she met through school, like, he thought he was helping her shop for shoes for her boyfriend for Uh his birthday. And so she went, he went shoe shopping with her. And it turns out she was just buying shoes for him because he'd never, like, had, like, really cool Nikes. Yeah. So she helped, he helps her pick out these shoes. And then they get out of the store and she's like, here, they're for you. God, that's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And so likely her relationship with Lorraine had started very similarly. They'd, you know, gone out to dinner and she'd treated every time and whatever. And so.
1: So the theory is basically she snapped
0: when this didn't. When it didn't out, pan out the way turned. that she thought it would. Yeah. OK. And that she had this plan that she was going to dispose of so that she, you know, she killed Linnell and then she was going to dispose of Linnell's body and then she was physically unable to lift her into the car it was much mm. harder than she anticipated it being and she also got a call from her boyfriend that he and lewis were done like hanging out for the day and so she assumed lewis was coming back to the house
1: did the boyfriend know what she was up to? i don't
0: believe so he is not like implicated in this in any way wow. it seems okay. that he did not know at all in like Literally, like, 4 o'clock that afternoon, she gets a call from her boyfriend. He's like, yeah, Lewis and I are done hanging out. Like, and so she's currently at the house cleaning up a bloody crime scene. And she freaks right. out, thinking Lewis is going to come home and find it. She didn't know that Lewis was going to go spend the night at Linnell's mother's house. Right. And that there was actually no risk of him coming home. And so she had panicked. And that's when she had driven to the police station and made up this whole story about seeing Lewis in the house and everything. Okay. Um.
1: When did she write that breakup note?
0: Well, yeah, so they – yeah, she wrote the breakup note. They had it in court. They had a handwriting expert who went on the stand and yeah. said, yeah, the handwriting was absolutely – Lorraine's handwriting did not match Linnell's at all. Um, and, yeah, they believe that she had planted that at the scene that day to make it look like either she had left or that Lewis w- had – This is just weird. It's so weird. There was also – All of these people that came forward in this year after while I'm sorry, in this year while Lorraine was missing Mm -hmm. that were like, "Um, I actually like went on a date with that woman um, or like I went and hung out at a bar with that woman. But she said her name was Crystal, which Crystal is what Crystal was what Lorraine called Linnell. She oh. told police that she called her Crystal because it was her middle name. I believe it is her middle name. But, like, that's what she called her by. And so they believe that she was trying to, like, pass herself off as Linnell. She liked how she carried herself. She liked her persona. And so she was trying to emulate that and be her Ew. after Linnell's death. This it's is like a single white female kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, honestly, it strikes me as too weird for just – and I know – I mean, the thing is, like, mm-hmm. we always want everything to make sense. Yeah, of course. The, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't. Absolutely. Um, But the story of, like, yeah, we were kind of seeing each other yeah. for a couple weeks and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So then I killed, killed her. That, yeah. Yikes. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So at trial, the
0: prosecution talked about, you know, how they believed it happened, that they were, you know, putting the weave in and that Mm -hmm. she did it while she was behind her. They had a a ballistics expert who talked about the trajectory of the bullet, how that matched that theory. Um, They talked about how they never found the murder weapon. They never found the gun, but the markings on the bullet and -hmm. the bullet that was in Lorraine's purse the day that they she had come into the police department those matched and they also belonged to i don't know a nine millimeter handgun or whatever which lorraine had one registered to her okay but they never found that weapon the prosecution um knowing that the defense would argue that the police had the wrong person that it was lewis who had asked Actually done this, not Lorraine. They put up all of the security footage, all of the receipts, everything that matched Lewis's alibi showing that he couldn't have possibly done this. He could <laughs> not. I
1: I don't think I said any words there. I said part we of got, each of those words. We got the gist of it. Yeah. And I appreciate that you're saving time. That's we've right. We've got no time. We've got no
0: time for me to finish words. No. <laughs> he couldn't possibly have been the one to do this. He was in somewhere else. There were receipts. There was security footage. There was cell phone data. Say you, brah. <laughs> <laughs> and just as the prosecution had, you know, prepared themselves for... Um, Lorraine's defense attorney, David Kwok. Oh, I like that. I know. I love that? it. K-W-A-K. Wow. Yeah. 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 He said that the police had it right the first time. Lewis had done this. hmm Lorraine had no motive. You know. I mean, he's got that he right. Does. He does. Absolutely. Fucking yeah. weird. Sure. Linnell had ended uh, the relationship with Lorraine, but Lorraine had responded to that message and said that she understood and she was on the same page and they had stayed friends. So yeah,
1: okay. But what do you do with Lewis's like rock well, hard just, alibi? Don't <laughs> say it's not rock, rock hard, so- Kristen. What was I going? What Rock, the fuck? rock solid <laughs> is what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> 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 what about his throbbing alibi? Huh? Big veiny throbbing alibi. Well, I don't
0: know about his alibi, but how about uh, how about Linnell? She was uh, cheating on him. So there's that. Well, what about it? Yeah. That's that's literally all the defense said. They're like oh. well, Yeah. He was she was cheating on him. So you wanna you wanna look at a motive here. Lewis is the one who had a motive.
1: I mean, okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the opportunity. Right. So we're done there. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah know? There's
0: no way he did it.
1: No. Nope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but also. You know, he was the only one who would be mad because – so it had to be him because she was having an affair.
1: Well, that's not the only reason people get killed. No, no, it's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was the,
0: the gist of the prosecution and the defense. and their closing arguments, the prosecution said, why run if you're innocent? And pointed out that mm-hmm. Lorraine Austin had gone on the run for a year – when she knew the
1: investigation had turned toward her. Honestly, though, I don't think that's a great argument because, <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, we know Lewis was innocent and they and locked they him locked up locked him for up. For Absol-
0: No, I, you're absolutely right. And like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, yep. Yeah, uh, yep. okay. Uh, the prosecution concluded by saying, why change your story so many times when you did nothing wrong? Something doesn't add up. Yep. Uh, the defense in their closing argument said, the prosecution has a very weak argument here and they know it.
1: Also, but they did present all of the DNA that and the fingerprints and all of that. So... So what you're saying is they had physical evidence and circumstantial evidence. That's correct. So really not such a weak case. It's not that weak <laughs> Yeah, it's not that weak of a
0: case as it turns out. The only thing it's weak on is motive and motive they're not required to prove motive. Right. So uh, yeah, the jury found Lorraine Austin guilty of murder and they also found her guilty of a firearms charge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which meant that she was sentenced to two terms of 25 years to life. Wow. So she has to, I believe, serve 50 years before she becomes eligible for parole. She did appeal following this on the basis that um, she was not tried by a jury of her peers. She didn't believe it was a diverse enough jury, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was not. Um, But that appeal was denied. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah they said so i did read through the appeal a little bit and they said 25% of the jurors were of minority groups varying minority groups hispanic black and asian and that
1: that's a diverse enough selection i i think there's so much to be said that, though for jury of her of her peers, peers. exactly yeah I mean, I don't think you need necessarily all the same type of person, you know, check every single box, but you do need a jury of your peers, I think. Yeah. I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that is the story of the murder of
1: Linnell Barsock. uh, That's so senseless and weird. It's
0: so weird. And yes, so senseless. Yeah. I do think it's almost... uh,
1: her f- poor family. Can you imagine your loved no. one dies and, like, there's there's really no reason. There's no explanation. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's so odd mm-hmm. and upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't approve.
0: Okay, don't blame me. Blame
1: schnerp and flerp. <laughs> Thanks a lot, <laughs> schnerp and flerp. Okay, you know what? I am going to refill my iced tea and okay, my iced great. coffee. You do it. And you know, at some point, there will be an ad to put here. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're just gonna say that randomly? Not great. randomly. <laughs> at okay, some point there will be
1: an ad. And so it'll be blah, 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 ad. And then people will be lulled back into the podcast by the soothing sounds of my voice saying, and we're back. And Brandy, I understand you have an update for us on the poll that you're winning and that you pointed out to Uh, me. A new poll option has been added. Which is, this is very rude. I can't decide. Love them both. Mm. That sounds like someone felt really sorry for me and they added that. (laughs) I'm pulling it up right now. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell by how nervous you sound that you're worried that my feelings are going to get very hurt. Here I go. Wow. Yeah. I'm losing horribly. (laughs) Well. And here I am, supposed to go on and tell a story. (laughs) Gosh, I guess I'd have to be pretty brave to move forward here. Yeah, the bravest little toaster. <laughs> <laughs> May I share something very vulnerable with you right now? Absolutely. Um, RuPaul uh, talks a lot about the need to show your charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Okay. She has a song. Uh-huh. Charisma, you need. Yeah, listener, I spelled talent. it. I got it. Okay. okay. See you next Tuesday. Right. Well, I've been, you know, watching a lot of seasons of Drag uh-huh. Race, all that stuff. I literally just figured out what that means last week,
0: ma'am. I figured it out in one second when you said it.
1: Norm did too. Yeah. <laughs> I. I texted Kyla. I said, I just now figured it out. Dick's Insider moment. Oh huh? my God. And she was like, How? 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 <laughs> How are you this dumb? I had honestly, I had sat around and been like, hmm. Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Like, yeah, okay, that is what we all need to showcase. <laughs> like, I was trying to like. Meanwhile, RuPaul's just saying cunt. To yeah. you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just saying, show your cunt. Anyway, I have a tale to tell. Do you think that's the first time the C word has been dropped on this podcast? No, absolutely not. You've said it before? Um, I have for sure never said no, it. No, you have said it before. No, you have because I'm. I think someone asked like, "What's your least favorite word?" And you, really I didn't hate just that say word. the c word. I I don't know. Maybe I you, doubt. I I maybe you did. And I think I probably did. Hunt out, as they say. Stop it. Stop! <laughs> have we gone too far yeah i
0: think maybe really (laughs) you know i hate that word why i don't know i just don't like
1: it what is it about the word i don't know Hmm. it's the forbidden word is it because you're such a freaking rule follower maybe i like how i didn't say fucking yeah (laughs) yeah Because I said the C word. That's right. Charisma, (laughs) uniqueness, nerve and talent. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, let me use my charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent to tell you this story. Put your pants back on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I demanded. What would you do if I
1: took my pants off?
0: I mean I I wouldn't probably do much. I would just sit here and be like You'd be so uncomfortable. I don't actually think I would be that uncomfortable if you had your pants off. You'd gotta do it, Jesus.
1: <laughs> no, I'm
0: not that uncomfortable with other people's nakedness.
1: Bullshit. I'm really not. It's my own nakedness I'm uncomfortable with. Brandy, you've gotta embrace your own charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent, okay? Thank you. All right. I've got I've got her under control. <laughs> Oh, do you know the story of the unicorn? No, I don't know what this is. All right, What's the unicorn? Um, this is one of those stories that I'd never heard of. Uh-huh. Uh, and you're going to hear this story and be like, how the hell have we never heard this before? Okay. All right. Here we go. Oh, boy. That's right off the bat. We're hitting it hard with a typo. Oh, great. <laughs> Ask me to spell inquirer. Can't do it, <laughs> evidently. <laughs> Um, thank you to reporting from the Philadelphia Inquirer or the Inquirer, as I wrote it, <laughs> Salon dot com, Esquire, the New York Times, and I found out about this case from the TV show, People Magazine Investigate. Oh, excellent! Yeah, mm-hmm. you,
0: what, you didn't you just do a case from that?
1: I'm that sorry, I, I didn't know you were like the People Investigates police. Is that your new favorite show? And it's on Discovery Plus, and you know what? We have an account through the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you think that I feel guilty about watching my podcast, stuff I don't it, think yeah. you feel guilty. So, Why would you? So, so make the podcast pay for your. Okay, great. I will. Peacock. I
0: will. I'll put my. I'm going to put my peacock all over the podcast, uh, ma'am. Please,
1: <laughs> please. <laughs> peacock is my least favorite word. <laughs> All right. By the way, I think and this is a bold claim. I think this man I'm about to tell you about today is one of the biggest douchebags we have ever covered on this podcast. I am serious, Brandy. Don't Absolutely give me that not. face. Not a chance. Oh, but how about you listen to the Okay, <clears throat> no. Uh-huh. War machine biggest douchebag we've ever covered on this podcast. All right, let's see, shall we? All right. Brace yourself. The village voice once called this man, quote, indisputably Philadelphia's head hippie. Oh. Also, Philly's number one freak. Number one's Donna. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's number one freak. Yeah, number
0: one freak. What's he doing? You're about to find out. Okay. Is he a super freak? Super freak?
1: Super freak. Wow. Get a load of this. His name was Ira Einhorn. Ira. I, stop Ira. it. Ira. You know, shut up. <laughs> the totally normal name. Everybody's heard of it. It's on the <laughs> show Mad About You. Everybody, let's all take a moment to remember the time when Brandy, who has never left Johnson County, Kansas, was like, Ira. No,
0: what I said is I remember his name is Ira because it's an unusual name. And you said, it's not an unusual name at all. <laughs> it's a very common name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway his real name doesn't matter because he gave himself a nickname and I think you'll find it really cool
0: also I think I later learned that David was almost named Ira
1: yeah it's a super common name
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's from Missouri right yeah so Johnson County
1: <laughs> I don't know man <laughs> Ready for his nickname that he gave himself? Uh, is it the unicorn? Sure is. Why? Well, because Einhorn in German means one horn, so it really just makes sense to refer to this man as the unicorn. Mm, all right. So, My Little Pony was born in 1940. <laughs> I don't think he'd appreciate that, Kristen. <laughs> and as he would be the first to tell you, he was smart. He graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. And he came of age at an interesting time in American history. What was happening? 58. Twas the 60s, Brandy. I mean, I thought he was born wow. in
0: 1940.
1: Well, yeah, coming of age, like, give it a couple a, years. Okay, There's sorry, a range there. I'm My sorry. God. Excuse me, Jesus. Wild shit, twas happening. <laughs> the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, free love, bell bottoms, patchouli oil, as far as the nose could smell. <laughs> <laughs> Young Ira embraced counterculture. He cared deeply about the environment. He dabbled in psychedelic drugs. Ooh, is he taking some LSD? He was taking everything. Oh, okay. He was anti-establishment, anti-war. He looked the part. He had a gigantic, bushy beard. He had long... What about a bush? Did he uh, have a bush? I'm sure he did. I mean, that would be hilarious if he had no grooming, but, like, very well-maintained pubes. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> he had long, wild hair. He had piercing blue eyes. And he smelled the part. Smell like B.O.? One of his friends later said that he always smelled like a hoagie. Like a real oniony hoagie. Gross. Yeah, sounds disgusting. It does. Ira read one book a day because he's much smarter than you. Uh, And (laughs) (laughs) he's also very charming. He was well connected. He was an activist. He had a ton of rich, powerful friends. Which Wait, is what part what part of the country was he living in? Philly. He was Philly's number one freak. Oh, that's right.
0: I was just saying, if he was on the West Coast, this guy would love Charles Manson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, you should have known activate. that he was in Philly when his friend said he smelled like a hoagie. Oh, is that a Philly thing? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I don't know the East Coast, Kristen. I didn't live in Boston. I'm nothing like you. <laughs> yeah, so he had all these rich, powerful friends, which is kind of fun for a guy who was, like, so anti Yeah, exactly. That seems kind of like, odd. Hmm, okay. Oh, well. Ira loved to debate. He loved to dominate conversations. He referred to himself as a Planetary enzyme. What? <laughs> <laughs> As in, he soaked up everything the Earth could offer, and he soaked it up good. Mm. Did he? Yeah, he was a planetary enzyme. Also, he's the unicorn. Okay. Also, he reads one book a day, and he's really smart. That's stupid. <laughs> and he thinks you're beautiful. You stop it. I'm not getting into his cult. He thinks you're beautiful, Brandy. Am I special? But you know what? Here's the thing, here's the thing. He noticed your beautiful mind before Ooh, he even right. noticed how beautiful you okay. are physically. All right. Wonderful. Oh my god, Brandy's cream in, in, her in jeans right I'm now. <laughs> take <laughs> me like, unicorn. <laughs> unicorn, take me away. Was that supposed to be "Cowboy Take Me Away"? Yeah, your own special take on it. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. I can see the music video right now. It's
2: just, <laughs> it's you
1: in the sky? That's right. <laughs> he barely slept. There was too much to think about, too much to discuss. Is that a UFO? You bet your ass it is. Okay. <laughs> he taught English at Temple University. He taught an alternative education class at Penn. And, you know, naturally, as this happens, obviously, during one class, he brought in some weed for everybody, stripped naked, and danced. I don't think that
0: happens regularly.
1: It should happen never, (laughs) I would say. Yes, absolutely. He got a teaching fellowship at Harvard. In 1970, he founded Earth Day. He did? You're welcome. Founded Earth Day. Wow. Just a planetary enzyme doing his part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he uh, founded Earth Day, or so he said. Did he make that up? It's really about what you want to believe about yourself, Brandi. See, it was his idea.
0: And those been, fuckers at Greenpeace. He's been <laughs> <ruminating> <laughs> on they it for years.
1: <laughs> uh, infuriatingly, a lot of media outlets continue to report to this day that he founded Earth Day. Oh, wow. The truth is that on the very first Earth Day in 1970, Ira did stand on a stage in front of thousands of people and he gave a 30-minute long speech. And there's a picture of him. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. Yeah. But if you talk to the organizers of Earth Day, you'll hear that Ira didn't do shit. He didn't show up for meetings, didn't lift a finger. The only reason they involved him at all was because he was well-connected and he knew Allen Ginsberg. And they wanted Allen Ginsberg to speak at the event, so they let Ira come on stage. You know, like, hey, you can introduce okay, yeah. Allen.
0: You, you amp up the crowd a little. You bring not even that. On. Not even
1: amp up the crowd. It was like... You introduce, can introduce Alan. Alan. <laughs> You've got three sentences, um, and instead, what happened was he got a hold of the mic and,
2: and he wouldn't really give it back. Enjoyed himself. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. So he, you know, rambled incoherently for like thirty minutes up there, and afterward took credit for the whole worldwide event. Cool. <laughs> 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 Confidence is an amazing thing. That is. What's that like? Mm, I I invented Arbor Day. <laughs> Ira was a nice guy. He loved peace. He deplored violence. And he loved women. He loved women so much. He's just constantly banging ladies. Yeah, and like, you know, he respected women because his mom was a woman. What? Hate it. <laughs> That's what they say. And I love it when they say it. Hate it so much. My mom's a woman. Yeah. Therefore, I'm kind of an expert <laughs> in these issues. <laughs>
2: ins-
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Um, one time, a woman was trying to break up with him. She had no business trying to break up with him, if you ask me, right? Well. Who would who would ever break up with this guy? <laughs> He's a fucking unicorn. He's a fucking unicorn. Anyway, so he strangled her until she lost consciousness. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just a real peace-loving dude. Yeah. Another time, another woman was trying to break up with him, and he hit her over the head with a Coke bottle, and he choked her, too. Oh.
0: So what you're saying is this is kind of like a pattern of behavior mm. with him. Super, super nice guy, though. <laughs> Wonderful
1: guy. The nicest the guy. The best. <laughs> the best, Okay. You know, it, it's to the point that I'm like, who even cares? <laughs> right? <laughs> and also, I just want to say this. Don't worry. Uh, it was a different time back then. It was the 60s. And he eventually realized that he should stop doing that. Stop strangling women? Yeah, he realized he should When stop. did he realize that? Um, you know, sometime before 1972. Okay, what happened in 1972? Well, I'm glad you asked. In 1972, he was hanging out at his favorite bistro, which has since closed. I did oh. look it up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: By the way, he had a nickname at that bistro, and it was the Freeloader, because he would go and eat a bunch of shit and never <laughs> pay. For it. Yeah, other people would pay because he was so it wasn't charming. was the unicorn? Weird. <laughs> yeah, weird. He specifically asked to be called the unicorn, and instead they called him the Freeloader. Huh, Interesting. So while he was there, he spotted a young woman. She was gorgeous. What's wrong, Brandy? Nothing. Okay, you look... No, I'm listening.
0: I'm intently listening. All
1: right, you look constipated.
0: No! How dare you? This is my concentration phase.
1: I apologize. But if a turd slips out, (laughs) I'm going to feel really vindicated. (laughs) No, if I'm constipated, no turds are slipping out. But you're constipated, so you're making the concentration poop face. Oh, and so eventually... you, think you think I'm pushing right now? <laughs> it looked like maybe you were pushing. This is disgusting. <laughs> this is disgusting. Why'd you bring this up? I didn't. Anyway, so he spots this gorgeous woman, and she's reading a book, and he came up to her, and he looked at the book and said, "Ah, oh, you must have a beautiful mind. Oh, gross no. She's like, well, yes, I do. And no one's ever noticed it before. Well, here's the thing. So the two got to talking and the young woman was instantly charmed. Her name was Holly Maddox, and she really did have a beautiful mind. And here was this man who seemed to recognize that she wasn't just a pretty face. Holly had grown up in Tyler, Texas, She was the oldest of five kids. She had three sisters, one brother, and her parents, Elizabeth and Fred, were unsurprisingly very conservative. Mm -hmm. Fred had served in World War II, and they ran a very traditional household. But Mahali wanted something a little different for herself. So when she graduated high school, she left Tyler, Texas— to attend Bryn Mawr College in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. That is an elite women's college, but it's not better than Simmons. Okay, calm down. It's not. Okay. Simmons, yeah, Simmons was. Simmons is the Harvard asked, of Boston. Yes, and it was asked to be part of the seven sister colleges, and we said no. I don't think that's true. We're busy. True. And so Bryn Mawr slipped in. Okay. <laughs> It seems that Holly suffered from a bit of culture shock when she went away to college. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, she's way far from home. It's much more liberal. It's a very fast-paced environment. Also, it's going away to college. Like, there's just culture shock in general. But, you know, she graduated, and afterward, like a lot of people that age, she was kind of trying to figure out her next steps. And then she met Ira. And he was Wonderful. They started dating almost immediately. At first, things were great. Ira was so interesting, so passionate, so attentive, so wonderful. He invented Earth Day. Oh, and can you only imagine? That's the lie we know about. (laughs) What else was that dude saying? Um, (laughs) He also believed in mind control. So
0: obviously, because he's a what is he? He's a planetary enzyme. enzyme.
1: After a while, he became abusive, Mm -hmm. which is weird because he totally kicked the habit. Yeah, he learned from Uh his previous strangulations. Yeah. He treated Holly like shit. He cheated on her constantly, and he didn't even try to hide it. At one point, they were at a party together, and he went up to some of their friends, and he was like, Hey, can you guys take Holly home tonight? I can't. I'm going to go home with someone else. And Holly just sat there silently. Yeah. That sucks. Friends noticed bruises on Holly. It was bad. To complicate things, Holly and Ira had moved in together. And the fact that Holly lived with Ira caused a lot of friction between Holly and her parents. The idea of an unmarried couple right. living together did not fly with them. And on top of that, they'd met Ira and they could not fucking stand him. <laughs> so Ira and Holly had visited Texas and the whole time Ira behaved like an absolute ass. First of all, he smelled like shit. So the family was like, yeah, what the hell is going on with this guy? Uh, he was very disrespectful to their beliefs, so, you know, every, every time they had a meal, they would pray, and he would just loudly scratch himself. Where? Uh, okay, apparently he had, like, open poison ivy sores. I don't know. On his anus? We have no way of knowing, but it is what <laughs> I wish upon him. <laughs> also, it was evidently very unpleasant to watch him eat. Why? What would he do? <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> you know, I read a lot of articles about this guy. Uh-huh. And two of them mentioned how disgusting it was to watch this guy eat. And I'm thinking, how gross do you have to yeah. be at a dinner table for, like, multiple people to notice it? Yeah. like And, like, have it be written about you? Yeah. I guess he just really shoved it in. Okay. <laughs> Holly's family didn't like That's what the way... she said. Okay. Way. All right, great. <laughs> Holly's family didn't like the way he talked down to her. And if Ira's goal was to drive a wedge between Holly and her father... Call him the ultimate wedgie. God, that was so stupid. <laughs> but yes, call him the unicorn, call him the freeloader, call him the ultimate wedgie. Whatever you want. Eventually... Holly and her father stopped speaking. She still kept in touch with her mother, though. They wrote letters back and forth. And Holly and Ira dated for about five years. Really? Yeah. Oof. Poor Holly. Yeah. Age gap. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if you couldn't guess. Yeah. And as it is with almost all abusive relationships, she attempted to leave many times. But... There's a reason why people leave and return to abusive relationships. Sometimes it feels safer to stay. I'm very sorry. That burp is going to stink. Great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But by the fall of 1977, it seems that Holly was done with Ira for good. She dumped him. She left the apartment they shared. She went to stay at a friend's beach house on Fire Island. Which sounds oh, fucking cool. does sound awesome. And while she was there, she met a new guy. His name was Saul Lapidus. L-A-P-I-D-U-S. Lapidus? Sure. Anyway, Holly and Saul <laughs> spent several weeks together hanging out on Fire Hall Island. and Saul. Oh, that's cute, isn't it? That is cute. At one point, they were... At Saul's apartment, and they started planning a trip together. I guess he had a sailboat, like a 26-foot-long sailboat, and they were planning to go out for two weeks on, like, this romantic trip. I have to tell you a funny story about what?
0: sailboats. <laughs> what? Okay, David and I were recently in Key West for our honeymoon, right? Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> We were staying at this like hotel that had this little like it was a very nice hotel and had this little private beach area. So we're like on the beach What's one a afternoon. Ramada, yeah, we're on the beach one afternoon. And David and I are just like commenting on the boats that are going by. Very nice, some sure. sailboats, like some yachty type things, <laughs> like you know whatever. We okay. we're not boat people. We're commenting on the boats. Uh-huh. This guy comes over. He would heard us commenting on the boats. And he had sailed there, and he was telling us all about his sailboat and, like, in detail about— like way more than you wanted yes, to hear. Yes, and so we're just, like, staring <laughs> at him. <laughs> and it took him way too long to to determine—to uh, come to the realization that we were not sailboat people. And he was finally like,
1: you guys have a nice afternoon. And then he just, like, wandered. You know what his problem was? What? He'd been alone on that sailboat for 2 You're right. You're probably right. Yeah, Yeah, he
0: was, like, telling us about having to swing the something around, and, you know, the hardest part about getting in is that you got to get past the reef, and, like, you know, it's easier. Best way to do it is to come on over from Texas. Fuck, I don't know, man. we were like, Okay, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Damn it, I kept like just like side eyeing each other. Like, how
1: long did this last? Several minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that dude hadn't spoken to intelligent life in a long time. And also, he did this super douchey thing in the middle
0: of it where like the they they had like beach servers who would come up Mm -hmm. and like, you know, can I get you a drink, whatever. And he like snapped the server over and he said, "Uh, They're making me a burger. At the bar. Well, And the server goes, okay, sir, you'll just have to go to the bar to get that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he wanted him to bring him the burger. Yeah, that server did you all
1: a huge favor. <laughs> Absolutely. That was a rescue It mission. was. <laughs> They're making me a burger yeah. at the bar? Uh-huh. What, was it up a mountain he couldn't no. possibly climb? Okay, anyway, he can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, back to Solin Hall. <clears throat> so they were planning this trip and the phone rang. It was Ira, and he was irate. Mm-hmm. He demands his full name. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> 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 She's shaking the whole damn table, <laughs> laughing at her own joy. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been weird if David was named irate? <laughs> Would be. Mm. He demanded to speak to Holly. I rate him a 10. Okay. Jesus Christ, superstar. <laughs> We're going to go on another break. Um, I Starting I think I need two months, two months this time. <laughs> Get me away from this woman. <laughs> He'd found out about Holly's new romance, and he was just enraged. Yeah. He told Holly, I'm going to throw everything you own out on the street. Everything. Wonderful. Your bank records, your clothes, your driver's license, it's all going out the window. Unless you get back here. Holly was annoyed. She got off the phone with Ira, and she turned to Saul, and she was like, Hey, Ira's in one of his moods. I'm going to go back there and calm him down. Saul asked if she wanted him to come with her, and she said, no, I can handle it. This has happened before. So Holly left. And she was never seen or heard from again. Wow. So that was uh, September of 1977. And Holly's family grew concerned pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Her mom's birthday came and went, and Holly didn't write, didn't call, didn't send anything. And that was just weird. hmm Other people were concerned about Holly's whereabouts as well. And Ira was just as confused as everybody else. Sure he was. Well, yeah, I mean, the last time he saw her, she was headed out to the local co-op to get some tofu and sprouts. Weird. Yeah. Where could she have gone? Who knows? Nobody knows.
0: Ira knows. No. Yeah.
1: Maybe you should look into the people at the co-op. Is that what he said? Well, you might as well, because she went to the co-op, okay? Okay. Anyway, with Holly, you know, somewhere, Ira flourished. He spent a semester at the Institute of Politics at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. But Holly's family wasn't just going to sit around. This guy for sure sniffed his own farts. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. So they contacted the police. They explained that their daughter was missing. They were worried about her safety. And the police weren't a whole lot of help. Holly was a 30-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was just off being an adult, you know, not checking in with her family as often as they might like. The police did go to Ira's place and have a little casual chat. And he told them that, you know, maybe maybe Holly went off to India why, you know, go go live on a commune, go... you know, she's a free spirit. Why India? Why not India? And I mean, that seemed possible, so case closed. Done so. That's it. That's it. Oh, good. Join us next week. No) <laughs> <laughs> Months went by. Then a year. Holly's family heard nothing from her. So they hired this retired FBI agent-turned-private investigator who was living in Tyler, Texas, and asked him to look into Holly's disappearance. Mm -hmm. The PI teamed up with another guy in Philly, and they got to work. And it really didn't take much digging at all to figure out that something had happened to Holly and that Ira probably-slash- Definitely, Definitely had something to do with it. Yeah. Okay. So Ira lived on the second floor of an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. So the investigators, how many floors were there total? I think three. All right. I can't promise. Why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a Brandy move to be like. <laughs> I want more. I'm very curious. I'm, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get a mental image here. Um. It was uh. Pretty old building, mostly inhabited by college students. Okay. Does that help? It does. All right. It does. So the investigators went and talked to Ira's neighbors. And yikes, the guy who rented the apartment below Ira had some very interesting information. I hear a bunch of thudding and mm-hmm. some yelling. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, he'd regularly heard Ira and Holly fighting, and he specifically remembered hearing screaming and loud thuds in September of 1977. And then, a few days later, a dark brown liquid began (gasps) oozing out of the ceiling. Oh my gosh! The liquid stained the ceiling, and it got bigger and bigger, and it smelled horrific. All the other neighbors were smelling that and wondering what was going on. This man and his roommate tried to clean the stain, but it was impossible.
0: I'm sorry, they didn't get to the source of the stain? Did they go upstairs, knock on Ira's door, say, hey, do you have a dead body laying in here bleeding through the
1: floor into my apartment? Could you keep your pants on? Okay, great. Okay, so they called the landlord, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the landlord came and looked at the stain and was like, Oh, my God, you know, I, maybe it's a plumbing issue. So the landlord called a plumber, and the plumber showed up at Ira's apartment to fix the issue, but Ira didn't want him to come in. Yeah, weird, because he had n- murdered Holly in there, so. Yeah, I mean, based on the location of the stain on the first floor ceiling, it was clear that in order to fix this problem, the plumber would need access to Ira's bedroom closet. But... Ira had a padlock on his bedroom closet. Yeah. And he refused to unlock it. So they were just like, okay, cool, thanks, bye. Uh huh. (gasps) Right? What? What What the hell? So the investigators took all this information and wrote up a report and handed it to the local police like, hey, solved your case for you. Might want to check that closet. And so, a year and a half after Holly disappeared, police showed up at Ira's apartment with a search warrant. Not a moment too soon. Right? Ira was remarkably calm. He had nothing to hide.
0: Well, he'd probably gotten rid of it by then.
1: They went to that bedroom closet, and a detective turned to Ira and gestured to the padlock and was like, You got a key for that? And Ira said no. Oh, well, good. I just happened to bring some big-ass bolt cutters. Yep. Move the fuck out of the way, ex- Ira. exactly what uh-huh. happened. Okay. And as they opened the door, they were hit with the stench of decay. hmm But they didn't see anything sinister. The closet was filled with boxes, like floor-to-ceiling boxes. They took the boxes out one by one. They found Holly's purse. They found her ID. Ira stood there the whole time. And when they cleared out all the boxes, all they were left with was a steamer trunk. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: The detective opened it. It was stuffed with newspapers from September of 1977, right around the time a year and a half earlier when Mm -hmm. she'd gone missing. He pulled back some of the paper and saw a human hand. Mm -hmm. Holly's body was in that trunk. An autopsy would later reveal that she'd been hit over the head with a blunt object. Her skull had been fractured in at least six places. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. After discovering her body, the detective turned to Ira, who'd again been standing there this whole time. Mm -hmm. And the detective said, looks like we found Holly. And Ira said, you found what you found. What? the fuck does that mean? Right? You found what you found? They open up a trunk that has a dead body in it in your bedroom. You found what you found. Oh, my gosh.
0: This guy thinks he's smarter than everyone and he's going to get out of this.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this was obviously horrible, but at least it was an open and shut case. Mm Mm-hmm. Ira Einhorn, who had a history of violence against women, had murdered his ex-girlfriend. His, her, her body was in his steamer trunk in his closet just a few feet from where he slept. But Ira's high-powered friends couldn't um, believe yeah. that he'd done
0: this. Uh-huh. They're going to get him the best defense attorney. Yeah. They're going to call Jungle Law for him. <laughs>
1: Is jungle law nationwide? I don't know. <laughs> well, if it's not, everyone, there's a law firm in Kansas City that has the douchiest billboards you ever did see. <laughs> yeah, so they couldn't believe he'd done this. And he told them they were right not to believe it because he was being framed. Mm-hmm. He knew too much. It made him dangerous. Okay. It did, Brandy. He had been doing research into the government's knowledge of extraterrestrials. Okay. What? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I did not see it going there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the government knew all this stuff about aliens Uh and he knew what the government knew, but they didn't want him to be telling people all about it. Right. So they killed Holly and hid her in his closet. Right. Why not kill him? Right. And
0: also, um, then why wasn't he shocked when the police found her in there instead of just calmly being like, you found what you found
1: maybe he knew that he was into some deep shit brandy also maybe it's wrong of me to assume that this was about the alien stuff cuz also um he knew about a bunch of top secret weapon stuff oh cool you wouldn't understand no uh, also knew about a bunch of russian shit you Obviously. know iron cart- curtain parted <laughs> I like iron carton better. (laughs) Like I'm picturing like a carton of Virginia (laughs) slabs, and Ira knew all about it. (laughs) Also, um, you know there are all kinds of global conspiracies, and he knew about all of them. Yeah, because he's the unifucking corn. (laughs) (laughs) Just niblets of corn. (laughs) Yep. <clears throat> so, in an effort to discredit him, they'd murdered his ex girlfriend, put her body in his bedroom closet, and they'd locked the door. Okay. And he knew all along that this wasn't coming, which is why he wasn't
0: shocked one bit because, you know, you got to, the government just does whatever they want. <laughs> this is
1: ridiculous. The annoying thing is the government does do some terrible well, things. Yeah, of course they do. But wow, well, I hmm, don't think they did this, my I, dude. I, I don't think so. Anyway, whodunit, Brandi, who done it, Brandy? Who knows? No, maybe it was a CIA. No. Maybe it was a KGB. I have an idea. Maybe it was a Pillsbury Doughboy. We have no way of knowing. <laughs> I think it was? We Ira know it wasn't Ira. No, it was not Ira. <laughs> Ira hired a big shot attorney who who called that Arlen Specter does that sound familiar at all? yes yeah so this dude was a huge deal he'd been the DA of Philadelphia for a long time and he went on to become a senator for like 30 years wow and Arlen did a great job normally when someone is charged with first degree murder you know particularly when they're a very clear flight risk you wouldn't even really talk about the possibility of bail It'd be fucking nuts. Yeah, right? I know he got it. <laughs> yeah, Ira was special. Uh-huh. He was a unicorn. He's a unicorn. So he got a hearing to discuss the issue, and at that hearing, a ton of important, well-connected people took the stand to sing Ira's praises. He was just a totally nonviolent, peace-loving sweetheart. Definitely not a murderer. I have to confess something. <laughs> what do you have to confess? Okay. What's wrong?
0: I, it's my turn to be vulnerable on this oh, podcast, Oh, my same. goodness. Okay. I have really been trying in recent months to focus on believing in myself and having yeah. a better self-image and yeah. all of these things. And so when I am not feeling real confident in that, I have been telling myself... <laughs>
1: Oh no. What have you been telling? Have you been telling yourself you're a unicorn? Yes. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Uh oh. Ruin that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? Maybe you should. Oh gosh. Sad thing is, unicorns are cool and magical. Oh, I'm
0: just douchey, Ira. Don't let Ira
1: ruin it. <laughs> Take the unicorn back! <laughs> oh no! So basically, right from the jump, you've been like, uh oh, yeah, uh oh. <laughs> I'm very happy. You've been working on that. Thank you. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Until now. <laughs> we'll know you've gone too far Hatcher. when you start claiming you invented things you didn't. I invented Post-its. Nobody really uses those that much anymore, so maybe you should think of something, like, a little bigger. Did you invent the internet, maybe? Ooh, no, that was Al Gore. Hmm, no. <laughs> Actually, it was Ira.
0: <laughs> Does he say invented the internet? Um, Just the information superhighway. Right? High <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it, what okay. he says. Okay.
1: But, you know, he's very influential. <laughs> great. So at this hearing, a minister testified, an economist, some professors, an executive, a playwright, another lawyer. All these important people uh-huh. all standing up and saying, no, this guy's great. This guy's great. Oh, Lord. The prosecution was like, are you fucking nuts? Yeah. Holly's body was in his apartment. Yeah. The truth was there for like Anyone who wanted to hear it. Uh Uh-huh. Two of Ira's ex-girlfriends came forward to say that he'd attacked them when they tried to break up with him. Yeah. Two people also came forward and said that Ira had tried to get them to help him move that steamer trunk out of his apartment.
0: Oh, weird. Yeah. Did he... Okay, hold on, though. Okay. Was he like, hey... There's this steamer trunk that mysteriously showed up in my apartment. I think I'm into, like, some deep government shit. I need you to help me get rid of this
1: because, like, UFOs and... Brandy, that is not bad. (laughs) That's really not bad. Do you want me to tell you what he told them? Yeah. Okay. Um (laughs) He told... Now, I don't know what he told the first person, Uh um, but he told the second person that he had all these top secret russian documents that he wasn't supposed to have mm-hmm. and people were after him and mm-hmm. so he needed help getting this trunk of documents out to the river and they just tossed that thing uh-huh. into the river so he could be safe so she's like absolutely i will help you with this she goes to his apartment and she smells yeah and she's like that's... no there's a fucking dead And body she's in like there. goodbye oh my gosh uh huh but no, he was
0: great. He was a great yeah. guy. A fucking dolly and like wheel that thing out on his
1: own. I don't know. I do not know. Okay. But I mean, he got away with this for like a year yeah. and a half. So yeah. Ugh. Also, Ira's apartment contained sixty-three notebooks filled with his ramblings. He'd written things like ramblings. Yeah. What? You mean genius thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Notes of the genius. (laughs) For example, he wrote things like, to beat a woman. What joy. What? Yeah. Yeah. Also, the violence that flowed through my being tonight could result in the murder of that which I seem to love so deeply. He's like a slam poet. Mm, 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 mm. What's that stinky cheese? Oh, no, that's just Ira. Oh, gosh. Uh, The judge was quite moved by the defense's parade of witnesses and set bail at (gasps) $40,000. Yeah, it was an astonishingly low sum, considering this dude was facing the death penalty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so he got out of jail for... Four thousand dollars, and of course he didn't pay it. No, um, his he, high-powered buddy paid it. Uh, would you like to know who paid it? Uh, of course, I would. Uh, he was good friends with this woman named Barbara Bronfman. Oh, Bronfman, Bronfman, B R A U N F M A N, B R O N F M A N. Okay, that's close. Barbara had money. You ever heard of Seagram Distillery? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. She married into that family. Oh, okay. So she sure did have money. Okay. Sure did. Sure did Uh have some money. So she was up in Canada, you know, (laughs) living off that sweet Seagram's money. Yeah, And she posted Ira's bail. And then in January of 1981, hold on to your hat. Uh, It was time for his trial to begin. And this is going to shock you. Oh, my god It didn't show up. Holy shit. Who could have seen that coming? No one. No one. It was almost as if he should have never been allowed. Yeah. Almost. It's uh, almost uh, like that. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Months passed. He was nowhere to be found.
0: Great. How long how long was he on the run for?
1: Oh, you're going to hate it. Okay. Holly's family was devastated. Of course. Yeah. But in a very weird twist. And I mean, this is so strange. So this guy named Dennis, who was a professor, Dennis Weir, um, was a professor at Trinity College in Dublin. And he came to Chicago to visit some friends. This was just like a couple months after Ira, you know, yeah. fled. And he was hanging out with his friends and he was entertaining them with some quirky stories about this guy who was renting an apartment from him back in Dublin. And the guy was named Ira Einhorn. Uh huh. He didn't even go by a fake name? Can you believe that? Oh, my gosh. I don't think he was such a genius. (sighs) Anyway, this was obviously way before the days of Google. But his Chicago friends were like, hold on. That name sounds familiar Mm -hmm. and not in a good way. So they called up the local newspaper and they were like, hey, why is this name ringing bells for us? And the person who answered the phone was like, holy shit, that's the guy who's on the run. So they told the police. But at that time, Ireland didn't have an extradition treaty with the U.S. So, I- Which is why Ira went there and didn't need to go by a fake
0: name. Right. Awesome. Uh, so, Because I- he could just be like, nana, na boo-boo, stick your head in doo-doo, here I am. Yeah. Unicorning
1: it up. Yep. Great. So eventually, Dennis went back home and he evicted Ira because um, I guess that was like the there's, most he could do. There's your consequences. Yeah. Can you imagine having to ev- have. that I, That's terrifying. Yes. And then, of course, Ira vanished. Over the years, people said they spotted him in a few different places, mostly in the UK, but investigators never caught him in time. Four years passed. Wow. And once again, freaking Dennis crossed paths what? with Ira. I know! What the hell? What? Dennis was walking through the cafeteria at Trinity College, and he spotted Ira Einhorn. He stopped cold. He was like, Ira? And Ira said, Huh? No, you must be mistaken. My name is Ben Moore. <laughs> Toodles! Benjamin Moore, perhaps you <laughs> like my paint? <laughs> yep, that was me. You're welcome. I invented paint <laughs> shortly after I invented Earth Day. <laughs> Dennis ran to the phone, called the police, because at this point, Ireland had an extradition treaty with the United States. That's why he had to change his name. Right. Mm-hmm but you know by the time the police got there ira was long gone great you know i was thinking what are the chances but i guess it's not super surprising that a big creepy weirdo would hang out at college Colleges. campuses yeah. yeah yeah no that's not by accident and he
0: can tell the young hot college girls how beautiful
1: their minds are mhm yeah yeah mhm nice when yeah. they're really super vulnerable and yeah. you're a big, creepy manipulator. Yep. Okay, we love it. Anyway, yeah. so Ira was long gone. And he stayed gone. It was easy. Ira was still very well connected. His friends had tons of money, and they were generous with it. They were sending him money? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Because he's a fugitive. Right. He's also a for-sure murderer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Courtney Love's dad gave him money. What? Yeah. Uh, Peter Gabriel hung out with him. Oh, no shit. Did he give Ira money? Peter says no. I say blow it out your ass. Yeah. Climbing up on Salisbury Hill.
0: I don't know Peter much Peter Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel stuff. Uh, funny story about that. One time I had this project. Uh, I believe it was senior year for uh, sociology. Okay. I had to do a parental interview. Remember Oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One of the questions was, what's their favorite song? So I interviewed my dad. And my dad said, Salisbury Hill, Peter Gabriel. And I said, are you kidding me? And he said, what? I said, I'm named after a song and it's not even (laughs) your fucking favorite song. You know what my dad said? Huh. Well, I wasn't going to name you Salisbury.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) and did you say thank you i did Uh (laughs) yeah i remember that teacher so like the last question on that survey Mm -hmm. you could the question was something like is there something that you haven't told me that Mm -hmm. you think i should know Mm -hmm. and mr johnson was like after we alternated it was yeah. like, huh, you didn't have to fill out that last part, but I sure enjoyed learning some wild stuff about <laughs> your families, you know. It's like, yeah, right, you wanted to know. You that wanted shit. to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, where was I? Um Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Man, who knew your dad was such a big Peter Gabriel fan? <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Peter Gabriel, so Do you still like I him? do. Well, I mean, okay, not this yeah. part. I like his music, ma'am.
1: All right. Bet you just love Michael Jackson, also, too. Okay. Let's You're listening calm to down. R. Kelly, are well, you? I was going to say
0: if you. If Jamming you like, out. <laughs> for the listeners. Still trapped in the closet. If you like Peter Gabriel, you'll love. Make sure you check out Francis and the Lights. It sounds just like Peter Gabriel. So good.
1: Did Francis help either? I don't, I, don't I don't believe in so. In any way. I mean, that's what Peter said, too, so we have no way (laughs) of knowing. So Holly's family was miserable, obviously. Their beloved sister and daughter had been brutally murdered, and her fucking arrogant, stinky murderer was off just having the time of his life in Europe. and just being funded by... Absolutely!
0: That is bananas! Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the one thing you think about a life on the run is like, well, I mean, it can't be good. Yeah. Oh, he was living the good life. Yeah, the old unicorn was living it up. In 1988, Holly's dad died by suicide. He'd been struggling with a long illness and, of course, depression. Mm -hmm. That same year, a journalist named Stephen Levy wrote a book about Ira titled "The Unicorn's Secret." Colon, a murder in the age of Aquarius. Oh, it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Age of Aquarius.
0: Aquarius.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What did you enjoy more, when we sang Aquarius to you, or when I talked about cunts? That should be Maybe the Facebook poll. Maybe what I talked about my pap this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, Barbara Bronfman, mm-hmm. the woman who'd paid Ira's bail and, oh, shocking, had been continuing to funnel money to him for years great. now. Yeah, great. Decided to read that book because she wanted to know what people were saying about her dear friend. Mm-hmm. And when she read it, she was like, Oh, shit.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: I imagine if you've fallen under the spell of this bullshitter. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you haven't looked at the evidence. Mm -hmm. I mean, because this is so. Yeah. (laughs) How much more clear cut can a case be? Yeah, absolutely. Although the CIA did not want you to know about all his alien knowledge. That's Right. So the lead detective on this case had been trying to get Barbara to give up information about Ira for years, and she'd always refused. But after reading that book, she finally gave in. She told the detective to find a woman in Sweden named Anika Floden. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> if he could find Anika Floden, <laughs> she he'd find Ira. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> By the way... Annika or Anika or whatever the fuck. Um, very beautiful. She came for money. Her parents had evidently owned a very nice fabric shop in Stockholm. Oh. Uh, some called it the finest fabric shop. Oh, some did, eh? Some did. Mm. Polyester, as far as yeah I can see. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she was definitely Ira's type. Yeah. Investigators tracked her down, and she played dumb. She claimed not to know an Ira Einhorn. Did they ask her about Benjamin Moore? Yeah, she knew him. Oh, okay. But she'd been his landlady, okay? So don't get the wrong idea. And he'd moved out a while ago, so don't worry about Mm. it. So the officers left a few years later. They didn't, like, follow her around for a little bit?
0: Nope. Well, that's really fucking lazy police work.
1: Well, but, you know, he'd been on the run for a while. This was kind of the way things go. The way... It's just Fugitive the way it chasing is. goes. Doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, <laughs> A few years later, Annika or Anika or whatever the fuck moved away. Okay. In 1990, Holly's mom died of emphysema. More years passed. And finally, in 1993, the Philadelphia district attorney, Lynn Abram, was like, okay, we have to do something. She feared that as time passed, they'd lose more key witnesses in this case and the case against him would fall apart. So he would be rewarded even more for having gone on the run. Yeah. So she did something super rare. She decided to try him in absentia. (gasps) (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) What? Amazing! I was just looking into a case where they charged. Were you in really? Okay, I have never looked into anything like this. Uh-huh. I was fascinated. Yeah, yeah. So it works. I mean, just like an otherwise normal trial, except yeah. it's not fucking normal at all. So you got the prosecution, you got the defense, you got the jury, uh, but there's just an empty chair where yeah. the defendant's supposed to be. Yeah. Ira was represented. I mean, if you can call it that, yeah. by defense attorney Norris Gelman. Who later said that defending a client without the client actually being present was very, very difficult, I can and imagine. he hoped he never had to do that again. I, <laughs> I bet <laughs> cannot even imagine. So this trial lasted about two weeks. Uh, the prosecution brought out the steamer trunk where Holly's body had been left to decompose. They called more than a dozen witnesses who said that Ira had abused Holly. Some of the witnesses testified that Holly had broken up with him shortly before she was killed. Mm-hmm. Other witnesses who had lived in Ira's apartment complex testified to that horrible odor that came out of his apartment in September of 1977. Ira's landlord testified that Ira had asked him to help move that steamer trunk, but he'd said no because he was having back trouble. And so then, I've already told you this story, but the woman testified about how he'd been like, oh, Russian documents. And she got there and was like, holy fuck, I am not helping with whatever this is. Yeah. Yeah. The defense's case was mostly based on some chemical tests. I mean, this was weak as hell, but, I mean, what, what, what are you going to yeah. do? Um, so there had been some chemical tests performed by two crime labs that failed to discern whether human blood was found in the trunk mm-hmm. or in the carpet underneath it. So the defense argued that that meant that she'd been killed somewhere else by someone else and placed there. The government did it. Right. I was telling the truth the entire time. Mm-hmm. But a chemist for the prosecution testified that once bodily fluids decay, they can break down to the point that they no longer chemically resemble yes. human blood. So that's just not... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so the jury deliberated for all of two hours, and they found him guilty. Yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Great, now if they could just find him. Yeah, then... So the nice thing is, if and when they find him, he goes straight to prison. He does not pass go. He does not collect $200. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's forced to play Monopoly for the rest of his life, which is a terrible game. It is a terrible game. Holly's siblings were very happy with the verdict. One of her sisters, Buffy Hall, said, 16 years ago, we lost our sister Holly. Fourteen years ago, we lost our faith in the judicial process when Ira Einhorn was released on obscenely low bail. We almost lost hope in ever seeing justice when that allowed him to be able to flee the country. Now, thanks to the efforts of an awful lot of people, our hope and faith have finally been restored. We just wish our parents were alive to see this. For Ira, we say again that we told you we would never forget Holly. I think this verdict definitely sends him a message that his freedom is a very hollow victory. Well, wow. She was optimistic that Ira's luck would run out. And part of that optimism came from the fact that no one was there to support him during yeah. his trial. She said, quote, All the people who testified at his bail hearing about why he deserved to be set free are conspicuously absent. Yeah. Oh, I'd be such a fucking bitch to all those people. I'd be writing them letters Absolutely. Oh. So, you know, the family gets this small bit of justice. Yeah. But where the hell was he? Yeah. Where it, is he? Well when do they find him? It's gonna take more time. Oh my gosh. America's Most Wanted did an episode uh-huh. about him. So, did Unsolved Mysteries. Unintentional theme. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that episode of Unsolved Mysteries actually changed things. Really? Yeah. So, a woman watched the episode and was like super upset by it. So, she decided to get involved. She called up some of her relatives who just happened to be really high up in the Stockholm police. She told them the story and they looked up Anika's social security number. Uh-huh. So using that information, they discovered that in 1994, she'd applied for a French driver's license, which listed an address in the south of France. She also had a new last name. Is it Moore? No, it's Einhorn. <gasps> oh, no, I'm sorry, not Einhorn. Oh, shit. I'm losing track of all of his fake names. Um, Fuck. Uh, Mullen? <laughs> I, I can't. I, okay. It's, a fake, it's a fake name. It's a fake name. She's got right. a fake last name. So French police went undercover, dressed as tourists and fishermen, and they surveilled the home in the south of France. It was a really nice place. You'll be happy to know. I know you were worried yeah, about him. I was worried about that. Um, they were on acreage. They had a beautiful garden. Okay, sources said that this home was a converted windmill, um, but I saw footage I guess I don't know what a windmill looks like. This did not look like a windmill to me. Unless they did a great job converting, converting it. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Malin was the last name. Did oh, okay. I say Malin? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the guy. I believe I said that. <laughs> I think I did. did not. Roll the tape. <laughs> Mullen. I, I can't. <laughs> okay. It's a fake It's a fake name. Fake name. She's All got a right. fake last name. <laughs> I think I am right. <laughs> and that's all I need in this life. Because I'm a unicorn. That's right. Anyway, her husband was Eugene Mallon. Oh, uh, okay. A.K.A. Ira Einhorn. Yeah. A.K.A. the unicorn. A.K.A. this bitch. So uh, Eugene Mallon was living a pretty easy life. He spent most of his time chilling. He read books. Did a little writing. Mm. He was in a bridge club. Oh, he told people he was a British writer. He was living in France just to soak up some inspiration. Finally, after a few weeks of surveillance, police decided to make the arrest. They went to the windmill at 7.30 in the morning, banged on the door, Anika answered. An officer told her, you're living with a dangerous man. And she didn't respond. They pushed past her, Went up the stairs to the bedroom and found Ira Einhorn laying buck-ass naked in bed. Wonderful. They arrested him. Did they give him a chance to throw on a romper? I sure hope so. A romper? (laughs) Well, there's no time to put on, like, (laughs) separate pieces. This whole time he was like, "What is this about?" My name is Eugene Mallon. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of Ira Einhorn. He sounds cool. <laughs> you should probably call him the Unicorn. As it turns out, Ira and Eugene had the same fingerprints. Oh. So maybe they probably were the maybe, same guy. Might have been maybe the same probably. Guy. Maybe we, probably. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So it was time for Ira Einhorn to go back to the United States get thee to prison. Except he really didn't want to. Well, too fucking bad. No, Brandy, he didn't want to. So he fought extradition? Yeah. How long that take? Long time. Oh, my gosh. I hate this man. Uh, once again, he got himself a great attorney. He hired a super confident guy named Dominique Tricard. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, Dominique told everyone that he had never lost an extradition case, so... <laughs> <laughs> he said, Ira wasn't leaving France. Huh, 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 He would ensure that France would not send Ira back to a country that was so barbaric as to try a man who hadn't been there to defend himself. Mm. Mm. I I know. Here's here's the thing that I kind of hate about this. I mean, the guys really the guys really douchey about America, but I'm kind of with them a little bit. (laughs) But here's the thing i I don't I don't like the trials in Absentia. No, but I do totally get that. Like, yeah, we've got these witnesses. Yeah. People are dying off. Absolutely. Their memories are getting shakier. We might have trouble finding them again. Yes. Are we really going to reward this person who fled justice? No, I can see both sides of it. So in France, they have a rule that you can be tried in absentia, but you can also get a new trial if you want to once you're found. And it comes with cheese. Probably. (laughs) Also, they do not like the death penalty in France. Well, yeah. But they invented the guillotine.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They used to do that that just out on the street not that long ago.
1: Well, I mean. The last public. Beheading?
0: Yeah, it was not that long ago. Like how long ago? I recently saw a picture of it. Ew. Why do you look these things up? I didn't. I was reading a listicle of sorts. (laughs) Public execution in France,
1: nineteen thirty-nine. Wow! But you know, we've had a lot of public hangings here. Well, yeah, absolutely. Let he who is without yeah, you're, no, you're sin
0: absolutely cast right. Yes. <laughs>
1: And, you know, you might argue that the guillotine is a more humane way to do it. Well. I think you would definitely argue, actually. You would for sure argue that. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, we suck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) By the way, in this French court, Iris spoke up and announced to everyone that he'd invented the Internet before the Internet existed. Oh, okay. Great. Which is a – okay. God, fuck. One of these journalists Mm -hmm. described it, uh, what he'd done. Uh Uh-huh. And gave him too much credit and called it like a primitive Internet of sorts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh oh, journalist, you have crawled up someone's butthole here. It's a fucking newsletter. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. And he did not invent the newsletter. No. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Um, he also told everyone that he was totally nonviolent. This was the CIA's fault. And his lawyer was like, oh, please stop fucking. <laughs> <laughs> his attorney argued that if Ira was sent back to the United States, he could be executed. And, you know, I believe at the time, maybe still, France does not send you back. Yeah, won't extradite if the death penalty. But, Which, again, but I agree with. I agree with. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He was found guilty, Was he? but he wasn't sentenced.
1: No, he was sentenced. So that became a point of okay. argument was that he had been sentenced to life without the possibility of parole because at that time – the death penalty, when right. they did that trial, was not on the table. Yeah. So, um, but France was like, "Well, who knows? Maybe they'll make up some new rule Absolutely. and yeah, right, right, right." Which I want to say, "Nah," but, but no, maybe, totally maybe good. we you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah the French sure are onto that. us yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, so I already mentioned this, but, you know, another factor was that in France, they had the rule that you can be tried in absentia, but once you're found, you can get another trial. Right. And the United States was not offering that. They no. were like, "Nope, we've done it already. Send them over. Send them over. Let's lock them up. Yeah. So the French court rejected the request for extradition. A bunch of members of Congress tried to get the the French president to intervene, mm-hmm. but the president of France evidently isn't supposed to intervene in extradition, so that was no good. So in 1998, Pennsylvania passed a bill that was nicknamed the Einhorn Bill. And it allowed anyone who was convicted in absentia, hint, and just hint, anyone and yeah, anyone, all. maybe they're named Ira Einhorn, yeah. who knows, <laughs> who knows? Uh, to request another trial. Uh huh. So the United States offered that up as sort of like a negotiation tactic. Yeah. But Ira's French legal team fought that too. They were like, no way, that law that they just passed is against the U.S. Constitution mm-hmm. because they'd seen Double Jeopardy. That with Ashley Judd. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It had just been For translated sure. to French. <laughs> Who's to say it that... It was th- called Double Jeopardy. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Okay, you've been doing a French accent this whole time and I'm ridiculous? And I've done it perfectly. <laughs> So they're like, no, no, no. They they created this unconstitutional thing. Yeah. They're just trying to get them over there. And then they're going to be like, oh, actually, we're not going to do that because it's unconstitutional. Right. Yeah. And the French court was like, OK, yeah, we hear you. But we're not in a position to determine whether another country's laws are against their own constitution. Yeah. And yada, yada, yada. Um, they're like, all right, let's extradite this bitch. Uh-huh. And Ira was like, no. So he took his case to the European Court of Human Rights, and they were like, "No, you can fuck yeah, off, fuck off okay. go back to America uh by the way, this extradition argument uh lasted four years. Oh my gosh, don't worry. IRA only spent six months of it in prison. right. The rest of the time, while this whole legal battle was dragging out. He was just chilling at the windmill, yeah. He did a bunch of TV interviews, he drank wine, he posed naked for photographers in the garden. He did? Unfortunately, yes. Okay, so here's here's the fucking deal. All right. When Ira was young. <laughs> when he was young, when he committed this crime. He's a little stocky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and and you get all hot and thin. N- n- hot is no. muscly. He was m- muscly on no. Paperboy. No, calm down. Um, he he slimmed down a little bit. <laughs> 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 he slimmed down. He got a haircut, and so kind of some of the first media reaction was like, "Oh my gosh, look how different he looks um, from his hot translation." Hot. He had a bit of a glow up. Okay. Uh-huh. And he was loving himself. So he's just gardening naked.
0: Just two hoes in the garden.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He, like, oh, God, he did this interview where he was like, I haven't touched sugar in 15 years. That sounds terrible. But then (laughs) then later they went to dinner Mm -hmm. at this really nice place and Ira obviously wasn't buying. So he ordered literally everything, including like the whole dessert cart. So fuck off. Tell me you haven't touched sugar in 15 years. (laughs) Also, if you want to know the secret to Ira's hot bod, (laughs) here it is. Anytime he gets, he gets upset, he just goes out and gardens. Oh, yeah. That's how he's got that healthy glow. Sure. Just get out there and garden. Just garden. Do something physical <laughs> once a day. That's all I say. And don't touch sugar ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you want to get your rage out, just murder somebody. Just
0: murder your girlfriend. Yeah, ex-girlfriend.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Are you inspired? No. By his health tips. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I went out naked to the garden. <laughs> Now I'm covered head to toe in poison ivy. But I feel great. Uh. He did an interview with Connie Chung. And he got super mad at her because she asked him repeatedly about whether he'd killed Holly. And he found that very rude. What did he think she was going to ask him? Exactly. Exactly. This fucking guy. Um. Did they do a paternity test? find out if he was 100% that bitch no it's just because she he's Connie Chung's Maury Povich's wife oh I. <laughs> what a pair <laughs> isn't that interesting hmm. anyway um he agreed to do an interview with a reporter from Esquire and the article is nuts yeah and I realize now that that's hilarious I said it cuz that's the article where he posed naked and I said Oh, nuts. you said nuts did showed you see his, nuts. his nuts No I actually did not and I'm fine with that <laughs> Oh no I'm curious hang on I'm You gonna... do not see his nuts Yeah let me see Hira Einhorn surely if I do just an image search I'm going to see that dude's freaking dong <laughs> his whole dong Hmm Oh God! Can oh my me God!
0: See Are that you seeing this? No, I didn't look it up.
1: <laughs> oh no! Oh my God! All right, let's see. Did you just do an image search? I'm afraid I did. And there's dogs. Well, I'm I'm getting a real far oh. away. Oh! I see. He's like crawling through the garden yeah. here. Yeah. Is that
0: what we're? Lo- oh, there is some. There is some. Dawn I there. think there is
1: some slight peen. That's definitely you,
0: some. You have peen to there. squint. I, you don't have to squint to see those nuts. Really? I'm pretty sure that's nuts right there. Okay, that's enough.
1: <laughs> there we go. No boy crawling through the garden naked. Can yep. you mm-hmm. imagine? Okay. Well.
0: Oh. Oh. What? This article refers to him as the co-founder of Earth Day.
1: Yeah, no, he did nothing.
0: <laughs> okay, so France is like, peace, you know, get back to the United States. Oh, we're not quite
1: there yet. I know you oh, want shit. some justice, okay. but I'm sorry. This train is moving slowly. <laughs> So, in that interview with Esquire, where he posed naked and it's horrifying, you should all look it up it's disgusting i'm I'm still looking you're at still it. looking close that tab. Let's I don't see. want you distracted by his pain pain it's pain for days. He told the reporter, what I am being accused of is having lived with sixties women and not living with them in a nineties way. ballsy woman what no, you're being accused of murder. yeah ballsy women wouldn't settle down with a male like me. I had to kick the women I was living with in the ass practically to get them to open their mouths. Oh my gosh. He told the reporter that he loves women. He said, if women are present, it's amazing. It's an amazing hit. I'm not threatened by that at all. I used to call Anika a slave all the time, but she became strong-willed because she realizes it's the only way to deal with my bull. Isn't that sweet? No. Yeah, so she stood by him and he really appreciated that. Great. Right. As these legal battles went on, Holly's siblings sued Ira for wrongful death. A jury sided with them, obviously, and awarded them $907 million. Well, he doesn't have that. Okay, that's so. That's another thing. Um, first of all, when Ira was notified of this, he cackled. And he and Anika were like drinking and laughing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it was like he has no money. Yeah. It, it's so, but
0: also, isn't the idea behind that that he can't then profit off his story? Like,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that's a very good thing because you know he would. Oh, absolutely. Um, he posts naked for Esquire. God. Um. One of the many things I can't fucking stand about this guy is like he brags about like, yeah, you know, I'm still still the hippie I once was. I don't own a car. I don't have any money. I don't have identification papers. And it's like, OK, first of all, he said this while he was in a car. Mm-hmm. So he's borrowing. He's in someone else's car. Like yeah. you're still you're still using these resources. Yes. Also, you don't have money, but you're living off of other people's money. Yes. So like you're you're not really and you don't have papers because you're a fucking fugitive. Yes.
0: <sighs> oh lord. No, he's a what is it? He's a planetary enzyme. Mm-hmm. Kristen. He's just living off the earth, sucking.
1: <laughs> you ready for this to come to a close? Yeah, what happens? All right. So I wish he would put on some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> So Ira officially lost his extradition battles, and it was clear he was headed back to the United States.
0: Or was he?
1: No, he was. Okay,
0: great. What happens? He slid his throat. You're kidding me. Hmm.
1: Slid his throat. Did he die? Nope. He survived. He's fucking fine. And um, he did interviews with this... Like, didn't even bandage it. He had this gaping a oh, hole. Oh, my gosh. To let everyone know. Like, oh, this is what happened to me. Anyway, you know. Yeah. Finally, on July 20th, 2001, after 17 years living it up in Europe, he was extradited to the United States. Oh, my gosh. So he went to trial again because that's what was promised yeah. to him. And the prosecution led by assistant DA Joel Rosen. Fun fact, he was part of the trial in abstinence, abstentious, absentia. <laughs> absentia. <laughs> and he drank absinthe while he was doing Which it. Which some said was a bad idea. <laughs> you know, so he painted a, sh- a picture of like a shithead who beat up women when they broke up with him. Yeah. Yeah. Cheated on Holly constantly. Yeah. And yeah, okay, we know. Yeah, we got it. All right. All right. I'm just going to blow through that. Um, The defense, led by William T. Cannon, explained that Ira wasn't guilty. He'd been framed and he'd only fled the country because he was afraid he wouldn't get a fair trial. Sure. Okay, so the prosecution called a woman named Rita Resnick, who testified that in the 60s she was trying to dump Ira and he strangled her. Another woman. Judith Sabat testified that when they dated, Ira tried to isolate her from family and friends. She said he referred to parents and siblings as sentimental shackles
2: and told her
1: she needed to break free from them. And, of course, she found that super controlling. Yeah. So she tried to end things and he hit her over the head with a Coke bottle and choked her. Great. The prosecution's case was pretty much the same Mm -hmm. as the other trial, so we don't need to go too much more into that. What really stood out about this trial was that Ira was there. Yeah. And of course he took the stand in his own defense. Of course he did. He explained to the jury that he had a Virgo moon. The fuck's that mean? Means he was intelligent and curious and you know
0: (laughs) You wouldn't get it. You wouldn't
1: I couldn't possibly understand. (laughs) He also had no idea how Holly's body had gotten into his closet. The defense had him read journal entries from after Holly's disappearance. And in those entries, he talked about trying to find her and how he was so sad. Where'd she gone? A big part of this defense was proving how important Ira had been to the counterculture movement. Ira talked about founding Earth Day and how he'd emceed the event in Philadelphia. That's what a big deal he was. Mm -hmm. When it came time for cross-examination, the prosecution had him read some other entries from his journals. Yeah, what do we got? For example, he had to read, quote, To kill what you love when you can't have it seems so natural that strangling Rita last night seems so right. Yeah. Okay. Also, violence always marks the end of a relationship. Yeah, sure does for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Ira explained to the jury that the prosecution was really kind of twisting his words. Um, he said his journals were literature, so it was metaphorical. Right. Slam poetry. That's right. He admitted that he'd been violent with women in the 60s, but then he'd gone to, like, this treatment facility in California, and he'd been cured.
0: by of the t- violence?
1: Yes. By the time he started dating Holly, he had been cured from being violent with women. Sure. The defense also... It's a weird
0: ar- coincidence that she wound up murdered inside his closet then.
1: Yeah, well, framing. Uh, okay. R- okay, right, right, right. The defense argued that Ira hadn't been in his apartment for several months in 1978. So, you know, tons of people could have accessed that apartment, and they could have put Holly's body there to frame him for murder. No, because the smell
0: and the... Mm -hmm. And the stain happened in September of 77 when he was there. Well, that
1: was unrelated, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Toward the very end of the month-long trial, the prosecution brought in a rebuttal witness. It was a guy named Donald Nathanson. He'd been on the organizing committee for Earth Day, and he told the jury about how obnoxious Ira had been and how he actually hadn't founded Earth Day, and he just hogged the mic that day. So, no, he's not some big important guy. Yeah. The jury deliberated for about two and a half hours this time. And once again, they found him guilty Mm -hmm. and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Afterward, Holly's brother, John Maddox, said, for the first time in his spoiled, selfish, egotistical life, he pays the price. Mm -hmm. Ira appealed because, of course, he did. Of course, he did. But he lost. And in April of 2020, after 18 years in prison, Ira died. T'wasn't the Rona that got him. T'was heart problems. Oh. But, you know, I don't really care. <laughs> um And that's the story of the unicorn. Holy shit. That was a wild ride. Okay, now I said at the beginning that I think he's one of the biggest douchebags yeah. we've ever... Yeah. Cur- yeah, right? Yeah, obviously. Oh, calm down. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> What a fucking douche. Seriously. Ugh. My goodness, this is turning into quite the meaty it's episode. It's quite the meaty boy. And you know what? At some point, we'll have an ad here. So... <laughs> And we're back. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Just seamless. Just seamless. Should we take some uh, questions from the Discord? Yes, but first, what's a Discord? A
0: Discord is like a 90s-style chat room, but it's an app, I think. And then uh, (laughs) you can get in it by joining our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. My God, well said. Thank you. What? Secretly a cat wants to know... Would either of you get a vagina steam? There's a local place offering $70 for your first session, but $60 if you bring a gal pal. What's a vagina
1: steam? Uh, is that like, okay, so you get like a, a clothing steamer and you hold it up to <laughs> someone's vag? And then it's, is it like an um, ingrown hair remover thing? I don't know. I thought you weren't supposed to get too steamy in the vag. Well... I mean... Like, aren't you supposed to, like, take off your workout shorts pretty quickly after you get them all sweated up? Yeah, well, you don't get folliculitis and yeast infections. Um, vaginal
0: steaming. What is it, and is it safe? Also known as V steaming or Yanni steaming. Yanni involves involves steaming <laughs> involves <laughs> squatting or sitting no. over a pot of hot steaming water that is no. infused with herbs. No thanks. Pass. And I'm certainly st- not doing it terrible. with
1: you, Kristen. Wait, what do you mean? Certainly not with me. <laughs> well, I'm not getting. I'm not getting. It's not worth it. Do, do we have to stand next to each other? No. Squat. No. We over stand a pot? across Absolutely from each other. Absolutely not. And we look into each other's <laughs> eyes as our vaginas get steamed. And I say, what's that scent? Vaginal steam detoxing has been linked to ancient ancient Greek treatments known as
0: fumigation. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get my hot box fumigated.
1: <laughs> that doesn't seem good, does it? I also, why would know. I pay someone seventy dollars for just that?
0: Get my boy I mean, know up a I'm
1: of, Exactly. Pot I got a
0: sleepy time tea yeah. and just. <laughs>
1: I won't charge <laughs> myself a dime! <laughs> David, I'm gonna need the bedroom for about an hour. <laughs> I guess it'd be at one hell of a thigh workout. You have to squat over yes, the I, exactly! What are we doing? A wall sit while we're doing it? Anyway, in conclusion, no. No, thank you. <laughs> also, this is in my search history
0: now. <laughs> Ooh, Nosy Loves Food and Gets Angry wants to know, if you got to choose your own name, what would it have been?
1: Oh, back in the day, the name that I thought that was the most beautiful in all the land, mm-hmm. Crystal. That's not that far from your own name. I know. But, you know, it was like I thought my parents just – if they'd just been a little braver, they could have given me the sexy version. Yeah. Um, I
0: don't – I'm – yeah. Yeah, I wanted a name that could have kind of an androgynous nickname. So I wanted, Mm. like, to be Nicole but go by, like, Nikki or um, be – what's another one? Um, Go by, like, Jess or – Yeah. I just thought that was
1: just the fucking coolest thing. I mean, that is cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't wrong. (laughs) Ooh, I See Fat Legs wants to know, biggest red flags when it comes to dating? Brandy, mm. you recently dated for 12 seconds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do
1: you have any? Uh, no, I, have, I dated one, like, one time. So, no, I got nothing. Well, and you you two were just a giant red flag. because, like, yeah. you moved really fast. We did. Alarmingly fast. Yeah. There was no time. And yet, yeah. you know, sometimes Ooh, it works. Yeah. Until he murders you. Well, I mean, at this point, that'd be ridiculous. Why would he murder me? Um, how many episodes of Dateline have we seen? Well, I mean, but he already
0: married me and everything. Exactly. Like, He's got the insurance. Oh, yeah. Insurance. Okay. Boy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nah, I think he likes me too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Ooh. Okay. I already asked one, but these are good questions. Nosy
0: loves food and gets angry. Wants to know. Would you rather have to speak in riddles? Or rhymes for the rest of your life. Oh god. I would speak in fucking riddles.
1: I do rhymes. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> All right, calm down. My name is Kristen
0: and I'm here to say doing drugs is not okay.
1: <laughs> See? Cooler already, Brandy. <laughs> Ooh, courtroom hoodie wants to know, Kristen, do you have a recommendation for a bath pillow for when you want to read in the tub? OK, let me tell you, I'm, I'm not going to answer this question exactly. I think, you know, bath pillows, whatever. Here's here's my real recommendation. The tray
0: thing that goes over the bathtub. Is that what you're going to recommend?
1: Uh, no, I although I do love the tray. OK, here's my real recommendation. I think everyone should be doing this. If you're not doing it, start now. OK, draw yourself up a nice hot bath. Uh-huh. All right, it gets all steamy. Problem is, right, eventually it steamies out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it gets cold. Mm-hmm. You get cold. You are sitting in cold soup. And before that, your chest gets kind of cold. So here's what you do. Don't make that face of <laughs> me. You get yourself a hand towel. You dip it in the warm water. You toss that over your chest so you're, like, extra warm for even longer. It's a great tip. Don't look at me like that. It's a wonderful tip. It's a game changer. Brandy (laughs) You stay so much warmer You know I'm not a bath person So
0: Hmm We did have Okay on our honeymoon Right outside our room Was the hot tub Like literally like 10 steps maybe From Mm -hmm. the patio of our Mm -hmm. room So we did get in the In the hot tub Each evening And that was delightful
1: Did you steam your vagina I mean, my vagina was in the steaming water, so,
0: I I mean, I guess. So, in a sense, yes. (laughs) I didn't, like, leave my vagina out of the hot tub. (laughs) 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 Okay. All right. Um, Hold on. Peen Shaming says... Brandy says she doesn't like sauces, but seems to like dips. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. Somebody else piped in, and this is my exact answer. So did you know when Lincoln was president said you control the dip? Sauces are on top and can be a lot for some. That's exactly it. I do like to dip in a sauce. But I, I am very much in control of how much is there. If a sauce come, if something comes on my sandwich pre-sauced, absolutely not. Because what if I take a bite and there's just like a big – it's a texture thing. More than a taste thing. It's a texture thing. What if I take a bite and it's a big glob of sauce? Yeah, you'll probably die on the I spot. might throw up. When two become one, ask Brandy, do you plan to tell London about your divorce? I had almost the exact same thing happen as you did, and I haven't told my daughter or son, and my daughter's 12. I know there's going to be a time when she accidentally finds out, and it might be weird. So, yes, I will absolutely tell London when she's, like, at an appropriate age. And I actually think it'll be very easy because David is also divorced and yeah. has Jackson. So oh, it's, like, be a very supernatural conversation. conversation. Yeah. Not like supernatural, like ghosts and stuff, but but there might be ghosts. <laughs> there could be ghosts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe you could go ghost hunting and tell her about it. That's a that's an idea. I'll, uh, it's I'll a great idea. Thank toss you. Toss that one around yes. for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, little pink Kristen asks, "Do you have any Valentine's Day traditions?" <laughs> I file for divorce on Valentine's <laughs> Day. And it's something she does every year. <laughs> no, no
0: Valentine's traditions. I, I like Valentine's Day, though.
1: Uh, Norp and I have a tradition. What do you do? <laughs> there is a pizza place near us. That does you get a heart-shaped pizza? <laughs> we sure do. And they do a bouquet of buffalo wings. Oh, amazing. It's quite romantic. Do you then shit your brains out (laughs) after? Yeah, there's no sex (laughs) after. I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. Last year, that was when we first got Dottie. Oh, and, um And that was, so we went out to go get all the stuff to go because it was like the first time yeah. that she was left alone in the house. And she freaked the fuck out. Yeah, We had her, we thought, pretty well secured in the kitchen. Uh-huh. But she somehow leapt over the gate and shat on the living room floor and curled up on the couch. Wonderful. <laughs> So, in a way, shitting is part of the tradition. That's right. <laughs> Shout out Fast
0: Finger Faye. As Brandy, are you listening to Lance Bass's podcast, Frosted Tips? Of course. I have admittedly only listened to the first two episodes so far. But it's because cause I've, got, I've got spare the audio book. And so, like, all of my time is going into listening to that before I have to return it. So... Um, because she's I very, very busy much, everyone I, know, I, I just don't have that much time to listen to stuff So,
1: you know okay a lot of people are asking about what we did on break and about your honeymoon do you want to talk a little bit yeah, about it yeah so while
0: we were on break <laughs> David and I took our honeymoon we went to Key West and I did talk about this on the bonus episode Some, so if you heard it already too fucking bad I'm going to talk about it again
1: oh wow <laughs> that's that's a good way to pe- treat the people who pay for this shit that's right mm-hmm. Oh, we had an amazing
0: time we went to Key West we went to the Beach. We did a a historic tour. We did a ghost tour. I actually think that there, I might have a real future in Key West doing a Carl Tanzler tour. I've been thinking about this a lot. Yeah. I could I could go to Key West. I could uh-huh. live in Key West and I could put together a tour. David could be our driver and I could be the one who's like giving out the information and like pointing out all the creepy weird spots that Carl Tansler was. Uh-huh. If you want to know more about Carl Tansler, I t- covered his case on uh, the bonus episode. It um, was
1: gross, but she did a very good job. Thank
0: you. <laughs> I think there might be a market for that.
1: There would definitely be a market for that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and there are, there are
0: multiple ghost tours in Key West, but none that I found that were specifically about
1: good old Count Von Cosell. Oh my God, Brandy, you know what we should do as a business idea? Move to Key West and. No! Well, I mean, that would be wonderful. <laughs> We buy ourselves like a trolley cart. <gasps> David drives around and we and people get tickets and we take them on like a true crime tour of Kansas City. Let's do it. I'm serious. That's a really that good idea. That sounds amazing.
0: Though.
1: All right. All right. Sorry, this is the last
0: episode of the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. We do the podcast oh, alongside. Oh, okay. It. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> And then we have no time for anything, and we die. (laughs) And we die, exactly. Sounds
0: good. Um, No, David and I loved Key West. It was amazing. It's my favorite place I've ever been. I can't wait to go back there. I want to go back there on every vacation I ever take. It's so funny because I have a couple of clients who are like Key West people. Like, they go multiple times a year. And I'm like, I wonder, like,
2: why do we go to the same place every
0: time? And I'm like, I literally cannot wait to go back there. Loved That's it. So like cool. the vibe. Oh, it was just wonderful. We had the best time. She wore shorts, everybody. I wore shorts or a sundress every day I was there. I wore a coral dress. I wore a blue dress. I wore, well, it was black, but it had big flowers all over it. Are you kidding me?
1: No. Who are you? I, yeah, I wore shorts. Please note that she is, of course, wearing a black hoodie today. I am, but I got it in Key
0: West. It's a Ron John hoodie, which I've wanted my whole life, and I got it in Key West. (laughs) When I was in the sixth grade, they were very popular, and I did not have one, and I've won one ever since. I feel the
1: same way about big dog shirts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went nowhere on break. That's fine though. Did you do anything? When you live in Kansas City, Missouri, you don't need to go That's on right. vacation. You're on vacation every day. Every days of vacation. Um, no, what did I do? I had a nice time. I got a lot of writing done. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure it's going to be a huge number one bestseller. Obviously. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> anyway, I
0: tried. <laughs> uh, um, I also built the McAllister house out of Lakos.
1: On... I was just about to ask about that. <laughs> You were not. I was like, hey, did you build the McAllister house out of Legos by chance? I did. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. It was good. Very it was really good. good. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Enjoyed it very much. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do some Supreme yes, Court inductions? let's
0: do some Supreme Court inductions. What episode are we on, We right are now? on episode 241, and to get inducted at the end of each episode, all you have to do— Well, you don't get it. You get inducted once. We do these inductions at the end of each episode, but you only get it once. And to get inducted, all you have to do is join our Patreon at the Supreme Court level or higher. And then we'll—right uh, now, we're doing your names and your first— Crush.
1: Your first celebrity crush. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We much. don't want to hear like John.
0: <laughs> Sorry, first celebrity
1: crush. Kate Cowan. Adam Banks from the Mighty Ducks movies. Always injured, but one of the best players on the team. <laughs> question mark? Don't question your love, Kate. <laughs> Stacy Lester. Devin Sawa. I watched the little giants and now and then about a hundred times. Oh Stacy, oh, yeah. are we the same person? Yep.
0: That's- <laughs> Do you think that's? Oh, there's this person. Okay, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Jason, Jason did not understand the assignment. Jason, do is Maybe your last Jason.
1: name Jean? Jason Jean? Jason Jen? Jason Jenny? Maybe Jason did understand and just didn't want to tell us. Their okay, first celebrity crush. So they told us so. their favorite cookie instead. Snickerdoodle. Wonderful. Sarah Banks. Nev Campbell. Sign number light. one that I was gay. <laughs> it, like. Sarah bangs, bang. bangs. I'm sure she's never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. Tracy Hanks. Will Wheaton. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Casey Carter. Devin Sawa. Absolutely. Deb. Sean Cassidy. Ooh. Linda Studer. George Michael. M. in the space in between. Ashley Parker Angel. Will <gasps> T. You're the star of my little dreams. <laughs> I want it all, uh, For oh
0: nothing at all. I like how you were embarrassed at first. I when know, you but help then I mean it, it's
1: <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Rollicks, Steve Irwin, Helene, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Sheila Martin, Sean Cassidy. Oh, two Sean oh, Cassidy. You gonna find it out? You guys want to joust about it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Let's have a joust.
0: <laughs> Aaron Young. Benny the Jet from Sandlot. <laughs> Benny the Jet Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, okay, hang on. PF Flyers.
1: Brandy's familiar. <laughs> Zoe Battaglia. Ewan McGregor in Big Fish. Oh, I like that movie. Oh, yeah. Like Ewan McGregor, I, all right. You don't like Ewan McGregor? I.
0: No, he's, he's fine. What? I don't know. He's fine.
1: Yeah. You know what? I need to be less judgy. <laughs> Zoe, I'm sorry. to Take it back. Tom Holland. (laughs) She (laughs) said it was like the singer. Sonic, (laughs) hypnotic, funky, fresh. (laughs) Suzanne. Christian Slater. Sydney Corona. Zach Efron. Welcome to the Supreme
0: Court. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Also, while you're at it, go to subscribe to The Gaming Historian. Do you let me let you in on a little secret, mm-hmm. folks? Here's a secret.
1: The Gaming Historian is almost at 1 million, million subs. <laughs> And my husband really wants to get to 1 million subs. So go subscribe! Please help that young boy. That's right. And then, uh, yeah, uh, oh, after that, go over to Apple
0: Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review, and then be sure to join us next week. When we'll
1: be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned! And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from reporting from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Salon.com, Esquire, the New York Times, and an episode of the TV show People Magazine Investigates.
0: I got my info from an episode of Dateline, The Last Day, True Crime Daily, the LA Times, and the Antelope valley times for a full list of our sources visit lgbcpodcast.com is squishing her tits together right what? now any errors are my name is ours. ben Moore. please don't take our word for it go read their stuff